0: hey everyone welcome back to the new you show i'm your host chuck today we're sitting back down with mr tim Molesky for episode six this is the second part of a two-part episode tim is the owner of ouroboros forge and is currently with marine special operations command in episode five we discussed a lot of his past and there was a lot to unpack there however our main focus for this episode is the solutions he's going to put out to you guys in relation to the obstacles that he has faced throughout his life so if you guys are ready let's dive in
1: those um you know that just so you kind of have a a frame reference of what's going on if you haven't listened to the prior episode if you haven't you should stop right now go listen to the prior episode and then meet us back here for the recap but uh essentially um i went through a lot as a kid and obviously we won't be going through the details right now um but uh in a nutshell I was groomed from a very young age um, to kill six people uh out of revenge, you know, for what they did to my father. Um this evolved into my rage being very focused to then bleeding out externally and then, you know, uh intensifying into me wanting to murder random people and really being on the brink of losing control. Coming to a point where I realized that this was not what I wanted to be doing and going through a very long process, like years long process of reeling it back in and I'm not sure if I've ever really been sane <laughs> since I was a kid, but I don't know developing some sort of sanity. Uh, developing you're consistent,
0: you know, if yeah, you're right. <laughs> as long as you're consistently insane, at least we have something we can work from, you know.
1: So. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So like building building some sort of moral code um, that was you know more expansive than just uh, sustainability. Uh, because in the past, like I would actually live my life the the way that I determined right or wrong was was sustainability. So, if I was faced with a decision, I would ask myself, um, "Could I continue my way of life, or the way that I was living?" Um, well, obviously, I'd have to benefit from the the decision that or the you know the the choice or whatever that I was going to be making, and then could I continue my life as I knew it? And if I could, or I was confident that I could, then that the answer was whatever it was that I was going to do was right. And um, if I couldn't sustain my life or couldn't continue my way of living, then it was wrong. So for instance, if I wanted to steal something, if I was confident I could get away with it, then that was okay. Um, and it was considered right versus wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, um yeah. So I I had no real idea of right and wrong. That sounds kind of crazy, especially when I say that out loud, Um, you know, because I've gone through a lot of therapy and and being excited that I actually know the difference between right and wrong now, like as those words come out of my mouth, like I understand how that sounds. Um, But again, if you haven't listened to, you know, the prior episode, you should check it out um, because that'll kind of give you an idea um, of why. Um, the the real
0: real quick, real quick on that, man. And, you know, I'm, I I don't want to jump ahead um, because, you know, for, for those that don't know, like I, I just let the, the guests speak, man, like wherever it takes us, it takes us. But with that, when you say you don't know you, it was hard to delineate between good and bad. Right. And, when when you say that is that and, and obviously there are things that are socially good or bad that are truly good and bad obviously however you you I don't want to lead you here but was there was it part of the reason because you didn't realize that your normal feeling was bad or yeah. was good you 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 didn't realize that hey wanting to have a kill list and go murder motherfuckers like that's that's normal right like there's nothing wrong with that so you were told you know you you need to be good well having a a kill list is good you know type thing in your mind
1: yeah so um i think a lot of kids go through this too that experience trauma at a young age is a lot of the times you don't you have no frame of reference um, as far as like what other people are going through as kids. So, yeah, so your normal is just that it's normal. So, uh, the way that I was brought up was, um, to think that, uh, you know, killing things to harden your heart for the event- eventuality of murdering six individuals like that was normal and to do whatever it took to accomplish that, that end state, um, was also normal and good and it was reinforced so yes very much so um i grew up and not only that so in order to put yourself in a mindset like that as a kid and for that to evolve over time um you start to it's kind of like that explicit and implicit uh tasks you know like you're given like an explicit task and there's implied things that you need to do in order to accomplish that the same thing kind of happens when it comes to uh the way that the mind forms or you know your personality forms uh in order to accomplish a life goal M- most people don't even know what they want to do even now you know they're like that you know 30 year old in their mom's basement or whatever still trying to figure out what to do with their life i knew what i needed to do from the age of 10 the age of 10 is when i decided that like these six people like we're going to die and like i was going to do anything that it took uh, to accomplish that. Um, and that it had to be done by my hands.
0: Right, sure. right. That's what I was going to say. Like, everybody dies, but you're like, I've got to catch this motherfucker slipping before, you know, nature takes him or something. Like, it's got to be by me. It yeah. has to be. That is the only way that this person is allowed to die is by my hands. And that became a norm, man. You know, and, and, and we, we discussed last time about, you know, we're not comparing, we're not judging, we're not anything. We're just talking reality, man. And that became a child's norm because and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's pretty much all you knew.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's what I well, it was. Yeah, I mean, so again, there's there's certain things that I can't reveal because it will be very incriminating, but I was working my way up to killing a human. So when I was growing up, I was essentially killing anything I could get my hands on. And, um, you know, that, that evolved into, it just got more intense as uh, I got older um, because I knew that the eventuality was that I need to take, you know, multiple humans' lives. And so the thing is, though, is unless you're a true sociopath, I think that, you know, taking someone else's life um, is not a natural thing. Um, it's something that you have to, there's like an internal struggle that has to happen, you know, outside of, and I'm saying like you being the predator um, and not so much being in a situation where um, you have to save your own life for someone else's. I'm saying like, you're the, you're the wolf essentially, uh, you know, uh, hunting the sheep, like I think that's a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? So it's and that's why I like uh I not that I respect this any more than I do any other service members, but snipers in general, that's kind of like their job. And so that's a whole different dynamic. Um uh, you know, and I don't I'm not speaking from experience. Um I am a sniper, but I, I've not deployed as a sniper and I haven't done any sniper missions, I just have the skill set. Um, but uh let me just rephrase, I would imagine that that's a very different uh way of operating than just uh you know uh a normal like grunt and an
0: offensive versus defensive, um yeah. an active versus reactive posture. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, absolutely. Um however, you know, in 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 you, know, you being military, me being prior military, stuff like that. You get the, the morons out there are like, how many people did you kill? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't keep track of that crap, dude. Because when it's in a defensive posture, I'm not looking to kill someone. I'm looking to stop a threat so me and the homies can get the fuck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of that is, dude stop with that stuff, you know, but like you were saying with these sociopathic of wanting not your job, your responsibility, your tasking, anything like that. But that true just want to kill, to take the life of another human being for almost jollies. You know what I'm saying? That, that in itself, and we, we have discussed and we will discuss a lot of things like OCD. Well, look, man, just because you square away your room doesn't mean you're OCD. Obsessive compulsive disorder is a true disorder that doesn't need to be just covered up with a bunch of bullshit. Um, being sociopathic or something like that. Uh, he's a fucking sociopath. S- stop, you're just coming off stupid. You don't even know what the fuck sociopathic is or what that means, what you're implying about that person. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that can and, and just by labeling somebody, okay, and we all know about getting a label, a title, right, then you start living up to what that t- title, that label, is or that task that's associated with that label and it starts to spin your reality into some dreamed up unrealistic expectation that now you have to carry out.
1: Oh dude, that, oh man, that is absolutely true. That what you just said that that's awesome because um, internally throughout things that I've experienced in my life, um, that's exactly right. I, I was, there were situations I was put in um, and experiences that I've had were that my very being was like fighting what I thought I had to be, And I was taking actions and uh, allowing thought patterns or enforcing and reinforcing thought patterns to try and be that thing that I thought I needed to be, which was that sociopath not that as a kid i even knew what that was but i knew what i had an idea of who i needed to be in, the, in order to carry out my task and a perfect example of that is um so i've been diagnosed with ptsd and it was because of that um that event that i told you about in the last episode in africa and mm-hmm. part of the and part of the reason why that created so much trauma for me was as i was watching uh you know the child being beaten to death i I didn't understand why I cared. Like part of my thought process during that time was like, you should not care because you need to be a monster. And monsters would not be affected by this like you are. Like you are being weak and you need to let this go. And I had no idea that it had affected me because I, like at the end of it, I just chalked it up to me being pussy and moved on. Having no idea that it had left a really major imprint on me. And so, like, you're exactly right. Like, there, I, I, I definitely, so there are definitely universal truths, right? And I, and I think that, you know, um, the view of anthropology, kind of like the whole, like, you watch a culture do human sacrifice and it's like, how can you judge that? Cause you don't know, you know, what's wrong. Cause you, you're not part of their culture. That's fucking bullshit. Like, it there, are, there are absolutely there is absolutely wrong and right. And I think that we know that intrinsically, you know, outside of being that sociopath, which, um, I saw a lecture on this, like, um, that's actually looked at as part of, uh, an evol- an evolutionary, uh, like protective mechanism uh, or mechanism for cultures themselves. And it's just in the past. And I may not be imparting this, uh, information correctly, but from what I remember, um, like, say you have a tribe, it was important to have people like sociopaths because we would send them out externally. They were like our warriors that could go do great violence and not be affected mentally by that and could come back into their society, right? But they were used to go out uh, ex- uh, to take care of external threats um, of the tribe. So so
0: with, with that idea, so what you're saying, and I, you know, I'm having a, a, a bit of a hard time believing that any group or tribe or nation would actually have like apex like units or people or anything like that you know in their arsenal of people to go over to foreign lands or anything like that <laughs> and just the sheer thought of them being in that other person's face or that other tribes, area of operation would be enough to scare them i mean i i, I just i find that hard to believe that in civilized society we, we we would have anybody like that you know and yeah obviously guys were joking but that goes into the same aspect of you know and speaking of of, of marines you know back, back when i started you know, you'd hear the rumors and I don't know if they were made up by other Marines or whatever, just to kind of make us look bigger and badder. But like where there were some countries that thought literally we killed our own mothers and ate their hearts and shit. Like I'm going, damn, I'm a bad motherfucker, <laughs> but, but I love my mom. So like, I, I guess I'm not a real Marine, you know, type thing, you know? That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, well, I guess I won't be getting that EGA after all, you know, type thing. But just in. what's that?
1: Turn it back turn in. Again. You know, yeah, turn uh, that EGA back in.
0: Exactly. Well, no, and, and you know that's that's where a lot of this can can take you. But just like you were saying, you know, I I don't believe I I know that unfortunately some people are born with disabilities or and i when i see when i talk disabilities or abnormalities or anything like that i would say abnormalities in the sense that socially they are not normal if, if you will and some of that will impede their ability to be socially normal However, I, I truly believe that everyone is inherently born good, man. And when they say, well, you know, just like the anthrop, well, you don't understand where they came from. I don't give a fuck where you came from. You know, right or wrong when you're old enough. And, and you know, I, I give kids a lot of leeway because they're they're still figuring shit out. You know what I'm saying? But also that, in a lot of times this is used in ex, as an excuse. And I'll just kind of get to the point is this is used as an excuse, not only by entities that are trying to push their agenda, but also by that individual that uses, well, I was abused as a child. So that's why, you know, I, I'm abusing my child. Um, my, my, you know, my great grandfather's uncle's neighbor was an alcoholic. So that's why I drink, you know, it's, it's the society. Um, I, you know, I've got to go live this, this, this life. I, I gotta be all about that life, you know, because, well, that's, that's where that's how my society is. And I'm going, but you are not your society, bro. You are you. Yeah, you know yeah, what's yeah. right. If you really want to be that warrior, that badass, that whatever that you want to say you are, how about show it through your own actions, not actions dictated to you by others to control you? You know, does that kind of make sense yeah, about I, the excuses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you have to take responsibility for the part that you have in your own decision-making, regardless of, you know, that whole saying, like, you aren't your past. Um, that's a hundred percent true. And and you absolutely decide who you are in the moment every day. And, um, I mean, even, uh, uh, Alexander Sol- uh, Solzhenitsyn, um, with the Gulag archipelago, like he, <clears throat> he even like, uh, when he was, uh, uh, what, how, how would you even say it? Um, when he was in the gulags, he, he actually had to ask himself, like, what part did he have in his own being there, if that makes sense? Even though he was being treated horribly and suffering greatly, he still had to take responsibility for, like, why he was there and what he was going to do to get out. Like, he didn't look at himself as a uh, a victim. And same with uh, Viktor Frankl. Um, uh Man's Search for Meaning is the book that he wrote. And I thought you said Victor Franco, and I was like, uh the hell what? <laughs> yeah. No, Victor Frankel. Um, he, he took a, a very similar approach. He was actually a psychologist. Um, and he was uh looking at, you know, exactly like examining why he was there, what part did he did he have, and what could he do about it. So um yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I definitely think, it, and I look at that. I put that in the category of willful blindness, um, because it's one of those things that you can try and feign ignorance, and uh, you know, say that you know you're not noticing, that you're not taking responsibility. But inside, you know, um, Jordan Peterson talks uh, uh, about how he doesn't like to say things that make him feel weak, and those things that make him feel weak are the things that are not honest. And when you try and tell yourself that, because really, like no one else cares, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh,
0: they truly life, don't. You know, yeah, they truly don't. They may be able to empathize or want to help you, out, but nobody truly, honestly cares a hundred percent. No matter how far they may be willing to to go to protect someone else.
1: Yeah, you. I mean, uh, you're you may be thinking that you're putting up some sort of like front, but you're really just lying to yourself and you can, and you can feel it inside too. Um, That's that whole like conscious thing, you know, the, uh, it's that voice inside that's being like, you don't believe that, you know, that that's wrong.
0: Well, that's the whole thing with standing in front of the mirror and looking yourself in the eyes. Can you do that and lie to yourself? No, you cannot lie to yourself because inside, if it is false, you already know. So you are not effectively lying to yourself. You can't do it.
2: yeah. And that's why so
0: many people look themselves in the eyes. Yeah. You well, know, And I dude, when I tried that, I was like, well, you are one ugly motherfucker. And I wasn't even talking about my external appearance. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, dude, you know, like wow. Okay. That's scary. Get away. Like, we'll, we'll revisit this another day, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You're lying to yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, really, that's where, you know, I, and well, and the whole taking responsibility thing that like I have to remind myself that every day, um, because you know, the past, that past self, uh, and we were just talking about this earlier is it's really attractive to go back a lot of the times. Cause it's, it's really all I knew in the past, you know, and knowing that, that that's not who I am and that's not who I'm trying to be. Um, I find myself trying to trick myself into thinking it's okay to be that person in the past because of how I grew up. When I'm faced with adversity, you know, someone pissing me off, um, or someone that wrongs me, it's very easy to go back to that old thought process and, you know, want to find out like what their full name is and start doing research and stuff. Cause it makes me feel good. It's kind of like my security blanket, uh, blanket in a way. And, um, yeah, dude, it's, I mean, I have to, so one of the things that I wanted to bring up too, like kind of along the same lines is there's, there's a lot um, that like, I, I've already said it actually um, in the last podcast that I didn't say a lot of stuff that we didn't cover. Obviously we're just hitting wave tops about what I've been through. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is not to say like, Oh, you, you think that like what I went through was bad. Like you don't even know the half of it. But it's more of the fact that I have to remind myself every day of how far I've come, and what what going back uh, actually means, and how much I'm going to be losing um, if, in fact, I do decide to take that easy way out and go back to how I was. And obviously, I have reinforcing factors like my kids that also help me along um, the, uh, to stay on the straight and narrow. But at the same time. Like, uh, I, a lot of what I, uh, what I did, what I've been through in the past has also, um, allowed me to be who I am today. So I don't, I don't look at that as a bad thing. Um, I'm actually very grateful for a lot of my experiences as shitty as they were, because it's allowed me to progress into and, and like evolve into who I am today. But I do have to look back and, and, uh, I guess give gratitude for the journey so that I'm not uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for uh, not convinced, but tempted, I guess, to go back to what I was doing in the past.
0: Well And, 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 and with that, that gratitude, you know that, that's a huge thing. A, a lot of people, you know, if you say, "Well, what are you grateful for?" Well, I'm grateful that I have this nice house and this nice car and this no, 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 what are you? grateful for about yourself and when you start digging into that and you you would ask me and I, I would imagine you know you just brought it up you you ask you i i'm grateful that i went through some pretty lately horrific shit in my own mind um not justifying it as good but knowing taking you know like the lessons aren't just like what we do here taking the lessons learned of people that have never gone through anything bad and just did good all their life or people that you know had to fight off creatures for food you know like those types of lessons that you can take from that and that's what why i personally feel so grateful to have i guess Come out the other side of so many things and learned from those things. Learn the good, the bad, and the indifferent from those because it lets me know I, I guess I can kind of judge myself. And you know, that goes into self-judgment, you know, and phew, that can be uh that can be a scary little rabbit hole in itself. You start chasing Alice down that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Um but like you said it it, it gives you a, an appreciation for the work that you have truly put in to yourself through yourself not through other people the work that you put in to yourself
1: yeah absolutely and one of the things that uh actually and this will be a, a good segue into you know some of the things that I did as far as um progression in the right direction was uh, a concept uh, called the philosophy of the shadow by Carl Jung. And I was uh, first introduced to this um, by Jordan Peterson. And like I said before, I reference him a lot because a lot of his work has been instrumental in allowing me to move forward, especially in the beginning because it gave me something to base everything off of. Um, But the philosophy of the shadow is simply Understanding that you have a capacity for evil and integrating it into yourself, vice trying to lock it away, right? So, um, one of the the things that was, uh, really huge for me in, in moving forward and accepting who I, who I was, um, was watching a le- lecture by Jordan Peterson. And when he talks about the uh, philosophy of the shadow, a lot of the times, it's framed in a way of uh, for people that are very, I guess, scared of progress or not aggressive enough to um, take life by the balls, essentially. And so, so yeah, so he kind of frames it in a sense of like, hey, you need to get in touch, you know, with the animal inside that has the claws. Right. You need to become dangerous. Um, you need to be able to fight for what you deserve. And I remember uh, listening to that lecture. And I knew there was something important about that concept, but the thing was, is at that time I was I was constantly living in the shadow. Like I was the shadow. Like there was no, like light. I guess it was only shadow. And so, but something he said, I was like, "There's something there. There's something more there." Even though, because he was saying like, "Be more aggressive," I was like, "I'm too aggressive." And I was and in in the in the beginning, I was a little irritated because I was like, "Well, what about the people that are in the shadow already?" And then I had a thought and I was like, well, he's passing really good information. He's given me the answer. All I need to do is just reframe it. And instead of looking at it like, hey, I need to accept my shadow uh, to become more aggressive. It's to accept my shadow and look at what I can do to be good. You know, like the the opposite of what he was saying, essentially. Accept um, your light. Exactly. Yeah exactly that and i was like oh crap like that's it it gave me a direction to go and um i mean that was that that's kind of where my uh journey began and one of the things i try to remind myself especially early on was that exact thing about like what what does it mean to be a good person cuz that that's what my goal became at that time was I want to be good. I want to be that light because I've only really lived in the shadow. And um but I felt like I had it was such a long journey or was going to take me forever. It was really discouraging at first cuz it's like I'm so I've fallen so far like is it even worth to take that first step? You know, like am I even redeemable? And is there any I
2: coming back
0: at this point? Yeah, exactly, man. On. And and you often question that, man. It's like, dude, I know what society doesn't even know and society is telling me, man, you're too fucking far gone. Like there is no coming back. And they don't even know, like, like you were saying, you know, with what we, they don't even know like the half of it, man. So I guess, you know what? And unfortunately that can slip you into other things, you know, other thought processes where it's like, dude, I, I can't even save myself. So what's the point of anything? And that's, dude, a, that's a scary road, bro.
1: Yeah, but it's absolute bullshit. Because It's absolute bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> it's yeah. complete bullshit. It's Yeah. And uh, the biggest reason, too, is because, you know, society is made up of a lot of people that have not, have not accepted their shadow or un- they don't understand their own capacity for evil. Right. And so a lot, of, a lot of the quote unquote good people are just cowards that are too afraid to break the law. But if given the chance to do bad or evil, they will. I mean, riots are a perfect example of that. You have, like, you know, yesterday, the, the most law-abiding citizen you've ever met is now looting stores, you know, and uh and acting a fool because they feel like they can get away with it, right? Whereas, um I mean, that's not a good person. I Again, Jordan Peterson says that a good person is a monster under self-control. And so, essentially, what... It, what you do by accepting your own capacity for evil or understanding your own capacity for evil right um is you are you're much closer to becoming a good person than those that don't understand that if that makes sense so if you've been through a lot of shit and and this is where the whole redeemable part comes uh 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 or co- yeah comes in is You've, you've done a lot of bad, You have that monster. You are the monster, right? And you feel as though you've done too much or you've fallen too far that you can't be redeemed. But what you don't understand is you're actually so much closer to being a good person than the quote unquote, uh, societally defined good person. If that makes right. sense. Yeah, absolutely. All, yeah. All you got to do is accept that you are what you are and then decide to move forward because you've already got the monster part down now you just need to get the self-control um down and that's you know deciding essentially that hey you want to find the light and taking that first step forward you're already halfway there the person that has the super long journey is that coward that stays in their house because they're you know or doesn't break the law because they're too afraid of the consequences so if you're out there thinking that you are unredeemable like that is absolute fucking bullshit because you are so much closer to the light. You have no idea. And so in well,
0: that, that's oftentimes man, where people will slip because this is, you know, certain stigmas are almost glamorized through awareness and all this stuff that it's encouraging. You're told like, look, man, you, you are irredeemable, man. Once you go to the dark side, there's no coming back. Bullshit. We were all born in the middle. There was no light. There was no dark. There was like your mom's womb and then you won't go into everything else. You know what I'm saying? Like a little (laughs) smack on the ass and say, Hey, welcome to life. Here you go. But once you have been down that road, man, and this is something else to think about is that societally we are for the most part encouraged to be good people. So that encouragement is out there. So why is that harder than fighting all the encouragement to be bad? Well, it's not. But you're being told because you're at that level, they want to keep you at that level. And a lot of the reason why, and it depends on where your shadow is or what your strengths are on that side, a threat does not mean that you're going to actually harm someone or not do good for yourself, your family, for society or whatever, people can perceive you as a threat because they are actually carrying out their evil side. And by not having you there to back them, not having you there to perpetuate their stigma, their, you know, whatever their agenda, you now become that threat. So what, what is their thought process? Got to keep them down here, right? You got to tell them they're irredeemable. And then you have people like you that'll just come out and just straight like, dude, that's that's bullshit. Like, you're almost fucking there, bro. And the majority of society is like going to help you along, i.e. R- uh, outreach programs, um, you know, substance abuse, post-traumatic stress, uh, physical, you know, domestic abuse, child abuse, uh, sexual assault. Uh, You know, whatever. You got a stub toe. They they got a hotline for that. You know, like there are so many places to reach out, but it's stigmatized not to. But when you start falling victim to your own victim mentality, your own stigma, all that stuff, that's where you guys need to realize that if you have already been down, down that path and you have lived that path, that's cool because... Dude, you check that box and in order and, and and here's the deal. In order to have darkness, you have to have light. Darkness would not be a thing if there wasn't a thing called light. Right. And it has to be equal. There wouldn't be good without bad. You, you see what I'm saying? So both of them are equal. It's how you perceive them and what you put into your own head as to what is achievable in your life asking the person you know and we ask it often is well are you worth it man well fuck yeah i'm worth it man then then why are you acting like you're not worth it well i I just said i'm worth it "No, no i not your words i said act your actions Two things in life that you can control, your thoughts and your actions, right? Well, thoughts are great. They're not going to really get you anywhere, except for down in the dumps, like you were saying, with your own head and believing that bullshit that you can't fucking do it. But when you decide to act and act on your what what you know is going to be best for you, what you know is going to bring you closer to that balance, that homeostasis between dark and light your shadow in the light once you decide that and you decide to take action and you step off man like just like you said you won't even realize that like dude it's just down on the next block yeah or you thought it was another country away
1: what and what's funny is the fact that all i had to do at that time was turn right you know go down the block and get it and that, and I would say the fastest way, you know, uh, the fastest, uh, or the way to get to a point, the, the fastest is just a straight line, right? Like I took a zigzag fucking all over the place, like route to get to the conclusion, you know, you, I mean, you, you, you brought up about like seeking help and that is not <laughs> what I did in the beginning. Um, I was very hard headed and. And here's the thing, like I actually, <clears throat> with, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with how far gone I was and how long it took me to accept that I needed to ask for help, had I not, so I look at guys like in our communities and there's one or two ways uh, dudes end up going out. They end up either imploding and that's suicide or exploding and that's homicide, Right. And I actually look at myself as very fortunate um, to have been on the homicide land of things because to be honest with how long it took me to get my head on straight, it had I been the implosion type, I may not be here right now. And so I was actually, by going down the path that I did, I was afforded, I think, a little bit more time to figure things out. Um, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because if you're on are on the inclusion side or a type of person which is majority I would say um you you don't have the luxury to to be as hard-headed as I was like you need to just go out there and seek help because in the beginning um especially because I was more worried about my career than I was about myself um You know, as, as you guys know from the prior episode, um, I joined special forces so that I could get the skill sets that I needed to carry out these, uh, murders. And, and the reason why was because I needed to know how to get away with it. Not that I didn't care about what happened to my, what happened to myself after the fact. It was more of, I need to have the skill sets in order to kill all six of them because we're all in different locations and I need to not get caught after the second or first or second one. Right. And so. Um, in, while I was in special forces, I wanted to go up to the next level. Um, I wanted to go up to tier one and I could not risk. And, and I'm, and I'm saying like, this is when I was like flirting with the light. You know, I was like, uh, I'm not sure if the path I'm going on is the right one. You know, um, uh, my daughter had been born. I was like, I, I don't want to, you know, I was toying with the idea of turning her into a better version of myself, but didn't, uh, but there was something inside. It was that, that I was lying to myself. Right. Cause I had that inner voice saying like, not like, don't do this to her. Like she does not deserve this, um, change it, make it better for her, you know, type deal. And so that was like a whisper in my ear at the time uh, that I was being willfully blind to because I heard it but I just wasn't listening to it. And so what I was thinking was that I needed to go into tier one to get more skill sets. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I didn't want to seek help. I didn't want to ask, you know, how do I control these urges and stuff like that to anyone? Because I thought that that was going to, by me admitting that I had some sort of mental issue or psychological issue that I was going to be, uh, it was going to slow me down in getting to tier one. You know, I was like, Oh, uh, like, if they find out I have these issues, they'll know that I'm not the type of dude that needs to be there, which is funny because obviously they <laughs> there's things that you go through in selection that will weed you out. So oh, whether yeah. I, yeah, whether or not I said anything, they probably would have been like, ah, I, uh, <laughs> probably not the right guy.
0: And, and that's that's the thing with the you know with a lot of the psychological packages and stuff you go through, whether it's military or you know other entities and stuff like that. Dude, you don't have to admit shit. I mean, they they really got people that are like, oh, yeah, um, that cuckoo nest is full. You know what (laughs) I'm saying? Like, for real. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming out, you know, type thing. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But with that, you kind of have that dilemma there was – do I progress down this path and keep learning and and everything you know be as knowledgeable as possible? You've got multiple locations, multiple personnel, uh, everything's different. You know all the all the way down to the curvature of the earth and you know stuff like that. You know that that, that you're going to have to learn and, and and know how to apply. You know uh, pre, post, enduring, and, and that was very tempting. But like you said, you also had a daughter that was born and looking at her and going, man, I, I just want her to be the best version of herself and definitely a better version of me, you know? And, and that's, that's, that was a hard struggle, man. You know, for, especially for, for my son, as much as, you know, I love him, you know, it was kind of like, ah, man, I just want to keep doing this you know and in a lot of times that can add or that can lead to a lot of selfish nefariously selfish bitterness toward you know the child or the spouse or yeah. whatever but you wouldn't have that internal conflict if part of you really didn't Want to do it deep down inside. And why is this fucking internal struggle so damn hard? Because I know that I want to go tier one or I want to go manager at Publix. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like whatever it is, right? It's I believe because that want to do something else like raise your child. Better than you were were raised or give her the opportunity to become, give her every opportunity to become the best version of herself. That side of you, that want inside of you was as powerful, as great, if not more powerful and greater than your want
1: to go the other route. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, at that time, that's when I continued to <clears throat> uh, delude myself and tell myself that, like, I, I I told myself I could have both. I was like, I can raise my uh, kid right um, after deciding I wasn't going to make her like an assassin or something weird like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, I can raise her right. And I can also carry out like my plan and the way that i ended up moving forward was i so i knew that i didn't have any framework for right and wrong so i started studying um philosophy to try and develop some sort of moral moral code that i could pass on to my uh my daughter and then i started studying psychology because i wanted to know like what created me like why do i think the way that i think and what could I do in order to um, uh, change it, I guess. And because, like I said, I wasn't willing to seek help. So I was like, I'm just going to study it myself. I'm a pretty intelligent dude. Like, I'm I'm sure I can figure this out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fucking man. Like, I need to handle my right. shit, you know, so. Um, Be a
2: man,
0: motherfucker. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I, like, hit the books really hard. And that's pretty much all I did and i became obsessed with progression like both morally and psychologically and even with um how obsessed i i was about it and those of you that are listening to this that have any idea or have interacted with me at all or seen my work on like knives or how often i work on them and stuff like you can you'll definitely see the level of obsession um that i get when it comes to something that i feel like i have to do and i mean that's a whole different discussion about uh obsession and i was actually i was on a uh, a different podcast about that specific thing um that if you guys want to check out you can check out it's um security halt um i, I oh, go no. that,
0: that oh my gosh dude that
2: yeah there, there was- i
0: know you you know. It- in, in the real world you know off, off of social media and I, I listened to that and i was like well fuck me dude thanks for never sharing any of that shit with me you know <laughs> dude that was that that episode or that uh that show is freaking rad man good job on that
1: yeah thank you yeah so i mean there's two episodes just like this one um and there's there's a little bit more detail here and there like in certain things and i go into more detail in on this one than over there so you guys can check that out that that talk was more uh geared towards obsession and what causes that and how that can lead to ultimate failure um or initial success but ultimate failure and um so yeah so you guys can check that out security halt. but um what i what i want to focus on on this talk is like the actual obviously the journey that i went on to uh the things the steps that i took to become uh more health or yeah more healthy psychologically and um, and so back, back to what we were talking about, like me being obsessed with uh, that progression. Um, like any free moment that I had, this is before I was making knives. Um, any free moment that I had, I was reading or watching lectures. Like that—that's all I did. And um, even with all of that information, what I what I started to realize, and actually, uh, my wife brought to my attention. Um, was that I was consuming information for the sake of consuming information or gathering information. I wasn't putting in any of it into action. And so, uh, but I didn't realize that. I thought that I was doing the right thing. And I, although I did learn a lot about a lot of things, I wasted a, a huge amount of time because I tried just handling it myself. And obviously, if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast, or anything I've said previously, you can see the the severity of the issue and the psychological problems that I was dealing with. And, uh, you know, the, the gravity of those things are not something like there's a reason why psychology, and sociology and stuff like that, like actually exists. And it's because we're not transparent to ourselves, right? Like the study of that stuff wouldn't exist if it was easy for us to understand ourselves, right? And so They wouldn't I, be able to make money off of it if it was easy, if everybody could do it, right? Exactly, yeah. right? And so I essentially took the stance that I am smarter than those people and I can figure it out myself. And what you don't realize is like, uh, or what a lot, or at least I didn't realize at the time, was my mind was like my own echo chamber, right? And I had, especially with my obsessiveness, I had blinders on. I'm very target fixated with singular things. And what I didn't realize was there was a lot of common sense solutions that I could have used, um, that I didn't because I, they were like completely out of my, uh, what would you say? My visual range, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, because there, there were times with like, you know, once I actually sought out therapy and started having discussions and hearing a different perspective that they'd be like, well, have you ever thought of this? Or have you ever tried this? And I'm like, what the? It was like such an easy solution. And I was like, yeah, and I'd be so frustrated. Like, how could I not figure that out on my own? And it's because I was so target fixated on a specific thing that I, I, I was in my, like I said, my own echo chamber within my head, right? I was, I was doing that whole thing where I had a specific goal. And then I was finding evidence to then strengthen That, uh, that point of view, I wasn't taking in anything else other than what I thought I needed to. Um, and so that's why like outside perspective is so important. And, um, and, and here's the thing, I knew that about, uh, I, I had that exact stance when it came to intellectual conversations. I would absolutely listen to, I mean, I was doing it with lectures. I was listening to a myriad of different perspectives when it came to psychological issues. Um, but I didn't at the time have the wherewithal to apply that same concept. But with my own with my own issues, if that makes sense, like seeking out outside perspectives like therapy to help me with stuff. And so what ended up happening was um, I was so used to shutting myself off emotionally when I could not handle something um, that obviously that was happening on a daily basis. I was trying to approach my issues logically, um, not realizing how emotional I actually was. Because, like we talked about before, I looked at myself as almost like a sociopath in a sense. So I, I thought that I didn't feel anything. And so I had to approach everything rationally. But what I didn't realize was how sensitive, how actual, actually emotional I actually was. It turns out that majority of my decisions are made based off emotion, not rationality at all. Right. Right. And, um, and to kind of just, uh, well, actually, if you want to remind me about hitting, like, why that is, like, why a lot of people that think they're rational are tend to be more emotional, um, especially when it comes to to anger. We'll we'll hit that in the future. I know I'll forget if you don't remind me. Um, oh, wow, through- that's
0: why I'm writing this down right now because both of our memories are. I, I think that's why we're sometimes so tangential because we don't remember what the fuck the point of what we were saying was, <laughs> and then finally we're just talking it like all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and it's like oh fuck that was the point back to yeah. the price of tea in China you know type <laughs> thing you know
1: yeah exactly yeah so I mean I, I spent uh, about two years doing nothing but studying and the issue was that I wasn't making progress fast enough and that's because I wasn't getting a full picture and so I still was even though I was making progress I was it was like I was making I was walking up a, uh, a very muddy slope. And although I was running as hard as I could, I was still backsliding, if that makes sense. So I was, I was still spiraling down. Even though I felt like I was making progress, I really wasn't, it wasn't fast enough with how fast I was descending, if that makes sense, is I guess a, a better way to put it. And yeah. so when, when I, I was already, I, I felt like I was already emotionally shut off. So when my emotions, uh, uh, weren't allowing me to progress forward and I was still being like overwhelmed, um, by my situation. I then started, uh, relying on alcohol to be my coping mechanism. And, um, and so I started drinking a lot. And there, I mean, there are those that, um, are listening to the podcast that know me and know the old me and how I used to drink. And dude, it was like really fucking bad. Like to, it's one of those things that uh, I don't drink anymore. But like, let's say if today I decided uh, to go to a party and then drink. Whenever I alcohol touches my lips, I don't stop drinking until there is nothing else to drink. And in, in so the you air. can't
2: feel your lips, right?
0: It, it, exactly, dude. And that that is a scary um, thing, real quick. And and, and we, before we go right into all this, um, I did want to kind of ask you real quick. Do you think that these measures that you had to take um, to combat some of this or to get you back to maybe not combat, but get you back to a more lit place, more centered because these things were so extreme for so long and you had that all or nothing mindset mentality that was tim it was freaking all or nothing that sometimes you needed to go beyond a little just a helpline or something like that you had to combat extreme with extreme
1: oh absolutely and uh and this is where i was saying like you know it's you you have to be a little bit careful when it comes to uh, taking extremes, but that's how I've lived my entire life. So, yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I ended up doing was combating extreme with extreme. Once I had hit my rock bottom and was like, okay, like, I clearly do not have fucking control. Like, now I need to, It like, so I look at my healing like war, you know, like, so I don't, there is not a single, like, a piece of gear or tactic or anything that I will not use in order to crush my enemy, which is like that other side of me. Right. Obviously I'm integrating it. I'm not like getting rid of it. I mean, you really can't, even if you wanted to. Um, But, but at the same time, there is, there's nothing I'm not willing to do in order to progress to a healthier state and, you know, become that like best version of myself. Right. So um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it had gotten so bad um, that once I did hit my rock bottom and was like, okay, like I cannot do this myself, I've proven this to myself over and over and over. And I finally have done something so bad where I'm like, there, like, it's it's over. Like you had your shot. You you tried, you proved to yourself that this problem expands beyond yourself and uh-huh. something extreme needs to happen. And so what I ended up doing was going into an inpatient. I decided that um, what I was fighting for was more important than my pride, which I had held on to dearly for so long. Because if you think about it, like, really, the only thing that I had, like, growing up and coming up was myself. You know, so it was like I had I needed that, that self-reliance, is what allowed me to survive in the past. And so that's what I relied on. Um to continue to be um during that time, and that's why I was uh or during my uh i guess progression towards the light that's what I relied on was that i only I could do it because i didn't trust anyone right and once I realized that my the the issues that I were dealing with were so complex, they were too complex for me to with my lack of experience to be able to handle in the time frame that it needed to be if I had like eighty years to just study this. And uh, you know, eventually, I feel that I would come up with the answer, but I would have burned down the world in the meantime. Correct. If that makes sense. So, yeah. So I came to the conclusion that yes, I'm I am confident that eventually I could come up with this, but the timeline isn't matching. Like, and um, what I value is more than my own pride in trying to handle this myself. And that 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 uh, that thing that I value was my family, and. So I decided I was like, all right, like I need to put myself in the hands of the experts um, because like I'm done. I'm done living this life. And just like you said, I combated extreme with extreme. I was like, I'm going all out. like they they have like a, a progression that some people take, and that's like, hey, you go to therapy and then you go to what's called uh, if that isn't working, go to intensive outpatient. If that doesn't work, then you can go to inpatient. And I had done some therapy and was even with that, even with therapy and with, uh with uh, my self study, I was not progressing fast enough. And that's when I just completely skipped uh, the intensive outpatient and was just like, I need to go somewhere um to get this taken care of. So I ended up going to inpatient for seven weeks um to a place called Laurel Ridge, which was absolutely fucking phenom- phenomenal. And, um, yeah, I mean, dude, that that was probably uh, one of the single best decisions I've ever made in my life. And really, you don't have to look at it so much as going to inpatient is always the answer, but it's more about rape. understanding that things can be beyond yourself, and that's okay. And then asking, and no, understanding that asking for help doesn't make you weak, if that makes sense. Like, that was one of the things, especially like growing up in, in soft, um, or just in the military in general, you know, like the culture is that, you know, you don't talk about it, you drink about it, that any, like asking for help is weak, or at least that it, it's funny because we, we always like uh, put ourselves out there to our brothers, like, Hey, you know, come on, like, Hey dude, like if you ever need anything, well, I'll be here for you. And the dude's always like, you know, that you're talking to, is like, yeah, man, I'm good. And you're like, all right, cool. And secretly inside you're like, Oh, I hope he doesn't ask, <laughs> you know, cause like, How am I going to help them when I can't even help myself? Um, You know, that type of deal. And um, yeah, man, like one of the hardest things I've I've been through a lot of hard stuff in my life. And probably the hardest thing I've ever fucking done was admit to myself that there was something beyond my control. And I had to relinquish control because, I mean, as, as you've heard in my story, like I had very little control as a child. And so like over time, I developed a personality, um, that uh, allowed me to believe that I could control everything around me. And so I actually like, I spent a lot of my time manipulating people to get what I wanted, because as I said before, my, my concept of right and wrong was very skewed. And so I, to be able to accept that I could not control something was almost unacceptable and weakness was not tolerated, um, in my, uh, like younger years, you know, or just growing up in general. So my per, uh, perception of uh, you know weakness was asking for help. And as we discussed in that very first episode, perception is only like you know they say perception is reality. That's only half the the picture because there is still objective reality that well, you have correct. to contend with. You know, so if you try manipulating reality. You may try pulling reality in a certain direction, but it's not going to snap. Eventually, it's it's going it's not going to break. Eventually, it's going to snap right back at you. It's going to hit you right in the face. No matter what you perceive to be real, like there is objective reality, and it's going to show itself. And that's essentially what happened in my life when I hit rock bottom and was like, "Holy fuck!" My perception is only half of the picture, and there and uh, objective reality just smashed me directly in the face. And now i have to face it like there is no choice now and so with my uh uh what was your, my personality my extreme personality that's when i came to the conclusion that i have to take the most extreme measures went to inpatient um focused completely on uh healing and dealing with a lot of the site psych- or exploring a lot of the uh psychological issues that i had what i hadn't realized was as much as the research as i thought i was doing I, what I was really doing was I was occupying myself so I didn't actually have to deal with any of my actual issues. So I was, like I said, I was collecting information for the sake of collecting information and didn't realize it. I was blinding myself willfully to the fact that I was actually just distracting myself. And so once I like woke up, realized that I had a bunch of issues that I had to deal with and it was beyond myself and that there was a reason why I was so reluctant to seek help and that's because it was hard and once i had realized that i was like holy shit i'm actually scared of something right Uh, that actually drew me to it that's when i was like you know what fuck that like i've been through so much in my life and there's so many like i've i've overcome so much adversity i just reframed um like if if you think about like things that you've been through like on operations or in the military in general or just really anything hard that you've ever done in your life you look back at that and you're like, man, I fucking did that. Right. And should, was, right? Yeah, yeah and, and just like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like you, you break your leg or something. We're totally fine with going to the doctor and getting a cast because that's, you know, that's just what you do. Like, why don't we do that with psychological issues? And so what I ended up doing is I reframed it in that manner. I was like, all right, Hey, I have an injury you know, a psychological injury and I need to put a cast on it, right? I need to get it cleaned up, healed and put a cast on and then bringing it back to that whole difficult thing. I was like, holy crap, like I've, I've done like all these physical, uh, or I've overcome mental and physical, um, stresses that I never thought that I could. This is the same thing. Like this is me overcoming something. And just like if you're operating like on a, uh, a team, going into a, like CTB wise, going into a, a room by yourself is fucking stupid. You don't do that.
0: Uh, two you is one, one is none, right? I mean, what, what the fuck it. over? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have a team for a reason. And that's because it makes you stronger. You're, ex- you're essentially accepting help in tactical situations. Why would you not do the fucking same with the psychological situation? So um, once I had reframed it that way, I was like, holy shit. Like, why have I been wasting so much of my fucking time? Like, and not just my time, my family's time. And if my family actually means something to me, I need to fucking do something about it. And so that's why I ended up you know, taking that extreme measure and accepting that moving forward in this way was not weak at all. Like, I was actually strengthening myself. I was working out a muscle I never worked out my entire life that I had spent running away from. I, I spent my whole life telling myself I was so hard and such a fucking dangerous person, but I couldn't even face myself. You know what I'm saying? It was a mask that I was wearing. It was like this uh, false armor that I had on all the time. And it was really just, it wasn't protecting me uh, from anything outside of protecting me from myself. You know what I'm saying? And like, really, that was, that was the challenge that I needed in order, to, or, or challenge I needed to overcome in order to actually become, you know, that the the person that I thought the real man that I thought I or, uh, was already, you know, and so and I'm still on the journey, like, um, the journey never ends. So I'm not saying that, like, I'm healed, and I'm, I'm the man now, like, that is absolutely not the case, but I am progressing towards that, you know, I have a saying, and it's, uh, per, uh perfection's impossible, but should always be strive for so in this regard you know i'm i'm always a student you know like uh you go through selection to become special forces but one of the sayings we have like in the community is selections every day like it doesn't fucking matter what you did yesterday it's what are you doing today right and so when it comes to if you know without trying to get too distracted and going back to seeking help um i just i had an epiphany at one point like like I've been saying this entire time where I was like, holy crap, like that is the war that I've ne- been needing to fight. And I just needed to accept the tactic, right? The, the tool of, um, that inpatient for my case is what I needed. Um, I needed to drop that pride and accept that so that I could actually truly move forward. So I ended up going to, um, inpatient and one of my major issues is anger. And, um, uh, and this, and now thankfully I remember. Um, bringing it back to the whole being more emotional than rational. So uh, actually, I'm going to need a, because uh, a, I'm going to have to go on a tangent. I am going to need a, a reminder again, because I need to explain kind of how PTSD works. Um, and I learned this at inpatient, but how PTSD actually works and why, especially guys that have ex- experienced, uh, or just people that have experienced trauma are so prone to emotional outbursts or like uh uh impulsive decisions. Um so when you have a a traumatic event happen, um you're not you're obviously in a highly stressed state. So you don't you don't have a very uh benign thing happen that's traumatic and you're uh and be or not be in a stressed state. That's why it's traumatic, right? And here and here's the issue when you're at such a stimulated state, um, your, your brain does not, uh, store information properly. And so, uh, if you were to take uh, someone that has PTSD and just ask them, uh, to recall something from their past, that was just a normal memory, not traumatic at all. Um, and you were to take brain imagery, um, pretty much, uh, or I mean, their, uh, the back of their brain would light up because they're recalling something from long-term memory. Whereas if you were to ask them about that traumatic or recount a traumatic event, like their index event or something like index event is like the the most traumatic thing to experience. And then you took uh, that brain imagery everywhere in their mind would be lighting up except the back of the brain. And the reason why that is, is because that, that back portion of the brain deals with that long-term memory. But the issue is, is, uh, when you're having that traumatic event, your brain is still processing all that information, storing that information. It just didn't store a timeline to it, and that's the right. thing about like PTSD, and that, or, and that's why like the whole like flashback thing, right? Flashback to if you're having a flashback, that doesn't mean, or it doesn't always mean that you're kind of like a movie shows where you're like ducking under a table, thinking you're actually in the shit again or something like that. Like that is one possibility. But it doesn't always manifest that way. It can be something to where there's a piece of information, like in my case, my, my quote unquote trigger, which unfortunately social justice warriors have like completely ruined that fucking word. But like my, my trigger is kids crying. When I hear a child in distress crying, my body goes into fight mode. So what ends up happening is, uh, it's not that I am seeing the kid being beaten to death in Africa, what I'm actually, I don't actually, I'm in the present moment. I see what's happening around me. The issue is the back of my brain isn't lighting up when that piece of information is being presented to me. What's actually happening is everywhere else in my mind is lighting up except for the place that has a timeline. So my body actually thinks what's happening in Africa is happening because there's no timeline associated with it, just the information. And so my body goes into fight mode. And um, and when your body goes into that highly stimulated state um, and you're in that fight or flight response, what's governing your actions is your amygdala, not your frontal cortex. So when your amygdala is governing your actions, you don't actually have access to making any sort of rational decision. It's all based off a of quote unquote, instinct. It's that lizard brain. And it's a totally emotional and impulsive response, which is why anyone that actually has ptsd will realize that so whenever i'm like actually heightened to that state and i'm taking an action based off of that like uh, that fight or flight response it's not that i'm having an out-of-body experience it's that it's a, in a weird sense i'm almost like an observer of those actions i see myself taking a specific action and it may not be something i want to do i'm actually seeing myself moving forward and about to take action and inside I'm like, no, like, don't do that. But in the, in the moment, I don't care. Like that's essentially what it comes down to. And, um, and it's because I'm making a decision completely based off emotion. Um, and <clears throat> the impulsivity created by that is absolutely in some sense, uh, irresistible. Uh, and so, um, going to inpatient, what that actually allowed me to do was they, they teach you like how to deal with those impulses or things that you can do to put yourself in a mental state that will allow you to then use rationality and use other techniques in order to bring yourself down so that you can not make those impulse, impulsive decisions. And that's actually something I wanted to go over. Um, probably not briefly, but I wanted to go over some of those techniques because a lot like what we were talking about in the last episode, uh, the things that we're going to be going over today is not only like the process that I, I took, you know, to move forward, but some of the practical things that you can do um, in order to help yourself out if you find yourself mm-hmm. in a situation. So, um, I uh, okay. So you have what's called Sud score, and I, I may not. It's, a, it's an yeah, yeah. I remember. I may not remember exactly what it stands for, but I know it's like subjective units of distress right. scale subjective
2: scale. Oh, yeah. Distress.
1: Yeah. scale. Yeah. So essentially what that is um, is a scale from either zero or sorry, one to 10 or one to a hundred and the higher you are on that scale, the higher you are, or the closer you are to being in the black or like one is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like one is you're like a vegetable and 100 is like you're in the the midst of murder you're like currently murdering someone in a fit of rage you know so um the thing is is with myself in particular and a lot of guys that have hypervigilance is our baseline if we're using the the 1 to 10 scale is around a 6 or 7 so when you if you're one of the people that have hypervigilance or PTSD or whatever it may feel as though you go from 0 to 100 at the drop of a hat. You're not actually going 0 to 100 um, or 0 to 10. What you're doing is going from 7 to 10. right yeah, because you're
0: constantly in that orange, if you will, or there it's 60, 70. And that's just, once again, going back to your norm. Exactly. What you operate at but other people just look at it and they're like, Oh, well, he's down at zero right now. Even though you are hypervigilant, you're hearing a civilian helicopter coming in you're hearing birds chirping, you know, as, as, as warnings, or you're seeing this and a lot of people aren't realizing that you're seeing that because you're constantly operating on that level. And that, that, that's huge. Yeah,
1: exactly. And just to touch on that real quick, just to kind of give some, uh, a little bit of explanation about what you were just talking about. Like, on a normal basis, the way that we pro, so one thing we were talking about before we started actually recording the podcast was um, about how, you know, uh, we only use uh, so much of our brain. And some people will say, like, oh, you know, the, the part of the, your brain that you don't use, like, if we used 100% of our brain, we can, like, levitate shit or whatever, or be more, or smarter, or process information faster. And it's like, no, that's actually not the case. We use 100% of our brain. Just majority of it is uh, inhibitory. So uh, like, for instance, you know, if you were to, if you're sitting here in chair right now, your body is actually processing not only all the sights that you're seeing, all the sounds that are around you, but also like your five senses essentially, right? So like if I were to tell you to feel your feet in your socks um, and your socks in your shoes right now, from before, when I just said that, you were not aware of it, but your mind was processing the information. It wasn't until I brought your attention to that specific thing, uh, you, I mean, that you even felt it, right? And so the uh, your mind was actually your consciousness, or that within the window of consciousness, there's only so much that can fit, and so and that's why our vision is the our vision is kind of like a microcosm of how our mind works in a sense, where we have a like a very high, uh, resolution at a singular point, And that resolution dissolves as you go into the peripherals, it's okay. kind of, the, it's kind of the same thing, right? So, um, with the hypervigilance, um, dudes that have hypervigilance are just more keyed in. Well, one, they're high, they're a lot more heightened. So, and with that heightened state, you're, you're, uh, you're absorbing a lot more of, or a lot more of the information around you is more apparent. And it's typically, uh, around like things that could, uh, be perceived as threats. Now that can be a threat to your physical state. That can be a threat to your ego. That can be a threat to your time. It can be a threat to anything, right? And, uh, the higher you are on that scale, the higher or the more likely you're going to process information around you as threats. So you're going to be more aware of things around you, which is why you're in that heightened st- state. It's kind of like a, uh, positive feedback loop or like a cyclic thing that's happening all the time which is what's keeping you at that level right and that's why like for someone like you that's had a lot of experience with um helos and you know stuff like that like you're you're more keyed in to that specific frequency whereas a normal person walking down the street they've had no no reason there's nothing consciously important about a helo sound which is why their their mind is inhibiting uh what their perception or their conscious perception of that because they're perceiving it and they're absorbing that information but it's not being brought to the forefront of their consciousness because it's not important and in order to survive as humans we've uh, come through evolution into only focusing on what's important for our survival now that right that for people, depending on what you've been through right like for people that have uh, you know operated down range like maybe a helo sound is absolutely vital For survival you need to know when it's coming what direction it's coming how long it is before it gets there you know like there's a lot of things that go into that and so you're going to be more keyed into that specific sound same with the birds chirping you know things like that like your natural surroundings that are giving you warning you know so uh so yeah so now i've lost what we were talking about before um oh the sud scale and um so yeah so uh, guys that have hypervigilance are higher on that subscale. It's a lot easier to be quote unquote triggered into a state where you're making decisions based off emotions and using that amygdala. Like I was st- saying before, like whenever I hear a kid cry, like my amygdala takes over, my instincts for that lizard bl- brain takes over, and my body just reacts. And um, and so. Here now, now I'm remembering why we're talking about this because I want to give you guys practical information that you guys can use that I learned during my uh, time in inpatient, so that you can actually prevent yourself from making those impulsive decisions when you're in that heightened state. And so, here's the thing: when you're at a high high enough state, or you're at like an eight, you're no longer using that front cortex. So how are you going to then? You make a rational decision to calm yourself down. You really can't, and so you have to take precautions. You have to have fire planning. And so what I typically do is I will carry a thermos around with ice cold water. And what that allows me to do is, and oh, and uh, this was something I brought up from before on that other podcast is, if you are telling yourself right now that carrying a thermos is not practical. Especially if you're in the military, that is fucking bullshit. Because I yeah, fucking, absolutely, yeah, I know everyone has an algae. The only time I would say that it's not practical um, is if you. Actually, no, I, I can't really even operationally. I can't think of a time when it wouldn't be practical. And even if it, if you're in an operation, that's the time when being aggressive is actually necessary. So that's not a time when you actually need it, right? But when you're in your day-to-day life, especially if you know this is an issue that you have, then you just make it happen. Um, but having a thermos that can keep water cold, um, and using that—if you get into that state where you're like, "Holy fuck, I'm about to smash this dude's face," or I know that I'm going to be making an impulsive decision—splashing cold water on your face or the back of your neck um, will actually physically force your heart rate to slow. And the, and I forget what the the effect is called, but it's tricking your body into thinking that thinking that you just went underwater, very cold water. and
0: reflex. There you go. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. And that's, that's real shit. Like oh, for, for any of you that are, that, that are like, Whoa, what do you say? Mammals and shit? No, the mammalian reflex. When that kicks in, your body does some fucking amazing things, man. For, yeah. for preservation purposes as well. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. That, that's it's telling your body like, Holy crap. We need to slow our heart rate for survival. And, and so it's a perfect way. And part of, part of one of the effects of obviously being super heightened is having your heart rate go up like considerably. So having a way to slow down that heart rate, uh, you know, when you can't make those rational decisions will bring you down to a level to where now it gives you that tactical pause. It allows you that, that crucial one or two seconds to be able to make a rational decision. So there are times like I was saying like there's uh you know when I'm at that head, uh, heightened state like I just don't care. I I can logically understand what's happening. I just don't give a shit. You know, and I just I just want to destroy whatever's in front of me. But the second and I've and dude, I have tried this. There's been times where my wife like when I'm like getting super amped and getting really angry has come up with like an ice cold soda and put it on the back of my neck. And dude, it's it's almost upsetting on how well it works because in that like split second i like my sud score goes up to 100 now i'm like what the fuck because she just surprised me with something cold but then it immediately throws down my heart rate or heart rate no matter how bad i don't want it to be in that moment i don't want it to go lower it does and then i'm like okay maybe i'm actually uh overreacting right now
0: you know, and and for, for the people that may not have associated this yet, okay, if you look at a lot of, you know, because people love to watch movies and, and, and stuff like that, um, what what you're not realizing is that these things, you know, it, we're, we're talking about throwing cold water or something on there. Imagine this, okay, you're watching a movie, all of a sudden somebody's being all hysterical and it's like, right? They freaking splat They they throw this big bucket of ice cold water on them or whatever like that. And then they just like they're like, oh, my gosh, OK, I'm calmed down now. Right. Well, that's because that mammalian reflex is supposed to be triggered. Now, obviously, well, I can't say obviously, but more than likely, a lot of these directors, the writers, the producers, stuff like that, they didn't know why the hell it worked. It was just a common thing that seemed like it would work, you know, splash them with ice cold water. But what that truly does is kick in that mammalian reflex, and and when that happens, your body, like 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 Tim was just explaining, like your heart rate goes down, your respiratory rate can actually decrease as well. And if you are not fighting it, and, and this this is this is something practical, I I would think, and you know, let me know if you if you agree, Tim, but. If you make that conscious decision to splash yourself with that cold water or take that action to go look this is not where I need to be you're able to rationalize and make a conscious effort take a act an action make action to calm yourself down then realize that accept that and stop with your bullshit you did that intentionally so don't try to combat that with anything take that time whether it's breathing or you know throwing like and that that's that's absolutely phenomenal i'm glad you brought that up about just carrying cold water around because i mean well it's it's getting winter time here but um or getting close to it fall and then uh, winter but all throughout the summer You know, we uh, most of us had something ice cold, you know, with us or whatever. And we're not, you know, saying just pour water on yourself every time in every every situation. You need to be able to manage that. But like you were saying, when you go from that, what everybody thinks is zero to 100. And you're really already at fucking 60 with this shit that's going on. And then something triggers you. And, you know, you sling all the way up there to the black or the extreme red or, you know, and we can go into the gray area and all all that trash as well. But when you do that and you make that conscious effort, you take that conscious action, realizing that, look, this is not where I want to be. I need to bring myself back down. Those steps right there after, like you were talking about with, with inpatient, after the impatient and dude you you know i thought that was dude that, when when you took that step bro i was like i love this motherfucker like i am so proud of him like this is so fucking rad dude that that you just said fuck everything man i'm worth it and my family's worth it and i'm going to freaking do it but just cuz you went through it just cuz you read the book yeah doesn't mean that that's all it takes, and 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 you've definitely hit on that here. That it takes the action; it takes the continued action.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I and I actually I want to go into it a little bit deeper as well, because like like you just alluded to, like you you made the decision to splash water on yourself, right? Um, and so, but the thing is, that doesn't that obviously doesn't solve the, the problem, right? That's only bringing you down to a specific point. There are other techniques now that you can use that you wouldn't have been able to use in that super heightened state because you just don't care, right? You're not using rational decisions. So like breathing <laughs> in that moment, is probably not something you want to do. You splash water in your face. Now you're in a state where you're like, okay, fuck. I know that I need to calm down. Now there's other techniques you can use once you've brought that heart rate down. And um they're called grounding or grounding exercises. So there's a couple different methods that you can use. One is breathing, right? Um and we actually um breathing is actually one of the ones that you can use to slow your heart rate down. So you have what's called distress tolerance um or uh distress tolerance uh, techniques and that's like the water that's uh breathing um and there's a couple others that are escaping me at the moment, but once you uh, lower that heart rate, then that's when you can use something like grounding. And what grounding is, is essentially bringing yourself into that present moment. Because here's the thing, like uh, Sam Harris, and if you guys don't know who Sam Harris is, I, I highly recommend that you check him out. He has a, a mindfulness app called uh, Waking Up. And even if you can't afford it, it's 15 bucks a month. But even if you can't afford it, you literally just send him an email. Even if you don't want to pay for it, you send him an email saying, hey, I don't want to pay for this or I can't afford it. And he will give you a free year uh, or a year for free. Um, which is incredible. He does that. No questions asked. And, so, uh,
0: and for, for the listeners, say their name again. Yeah.
1: All Sam right, Harris. Anything. That's Sam Harris. Uh, yeah. S-A-M as in Mike and then H-H-A-R-R-I-S. So he's a, uh, public intellectual, uh, neuroscientist. Um, and, uh, he has spent a lot of his life like learning about mindfulness and actually going on silent retreats and all kinds of stuff. And like I said, he's a neuroscientist. And, uh, and and the the cool thing about it is he actually walks you through a lot of meditation, but then he also has a section in the app that goes into the actual science of the stuff. And so uh, where he actually has like lectures, it's like podcasts essentially of him talking to experts and uh, uh, about this stuff. So it's a very expansive app. Um, you can either pay for it or not, if you don't want to, but anyways, like, that, that's one route you can take, but you have what's called mindfulness. And the reason why I brought Sam Harris up is what, uh, and I learned this from the app is um the thing is, is like, say you get angry, right? Like the only reason why you stay angry or that anger intensifies is because you're playing a narrative in your head. You are literally talking to yourself about why you should be upset or why you should get more upset. Like I was saying before, like our, our uh, vision is a microcosm of our consciousness in a sense of you can there's only so much that can occupy the space of your uh, consciousness. Right. And so the thing and, and in the moment, it could be a feeling, it could be rage, it could be anger, like whatever. And there is a point like we discussed where you're so heightened that you can't use that frontal cortex and even use mindfulness, which just why you use that distress tolerance techniques. And I'm sure you could probably Google it um, and there uh, to get the rest of them. Um, but uh, once you come lower and you can actually you're in a place where you can do mindfulness that actually uh, manifests itself in a different or a couple different things. Right. So if you're in the present and you're focusing on something in the present moment, you can't it's impossible. If you're fully focused on it, you cannot focus on the anger and you physically cannot stay angry. Right. And so that uh, can manifest itself in focusing on the breath. Like the whole, like some people look at that as like meditation, right? And some people are like, "Oh, that's like woo-woo shit." Like, dude, I know some fucking hard-ass dudes that have s- slung lots of lead and killed lots of people downrange. That mindfulness or, I mean, meditation does wonders for it. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not pussy woo-woo shit at all. Like, it's not. A, and some people don't do it because they're like, "Why well, I, I suck at meditation?" You know, like, I can't stop myself from thinking. And It's like, dude, hey, that's not what it's about at all. It's all about putting your, at least mindfulness, it's all about putting yourself in that present moment, fully focusing on the breath, fully focusing on a physical sensation, or fully focusing on a sound. There's plenty of ways you can do it. The, uh, waking up, that mindfulness app, it teaches you from ground zero how to do it. Um, and so if you're like, you, you don't need to like try and figure this out yourself. It's all done for you. You just need to get the app and you can get it for free. So there's no excuse. Um, but mindfulness is one way, right? And that will actually, you cannot stay angry. You cannot stay depressed. You can even focus on opposite feeling. So if you feel sad, you can focus on happiness. Now this takes, it's like a skill. It takes time. It takes practice. So it's not going to solve your issue right off the bat, right? And, and really, it only solves the issue like, momentarily right so if you have some deep-seated shit that you're dealing with that's causing these other issues you need to deal you eventually need to deal with the root problem which is where a lot of people go wrong and why they turn to alcohol um so that this is where therapy and stuff comes in asking for help to actually like take care of that root problem but anyways getting back to the, the grounding stuff there's other methods too so we just went over uh mindfulness there um for me you know, in particular, and I know this sounds kind of extreme, um, but uh, uh, when I was at my worst, I would have like if I when I was talking to someone, I would have fantasies about killing them, like as I was carrying a conversation. with them. And so that it was such a big. So when you're when you go through like massive neglect as a child, you have to you learn to develop uh, a very strong imagination because you have to entertain yourself. Right. And so my imagination is extremely uh, robust. (laughs) And so like I, you know, when I was at, like I said, at my worst, I would, the only thing that separated it from actually being real was the fact that I wasn't really doing it. But in my mind, it felt, I mean, this was like American psycho type shit, you know, where he thinks he's killing all these people, but he's not only, I wasn't deluded. I wasn't having, it wasn't psychopathy where I like couldn't tell reality. I knew that I wasn't doing it and I'm seeing you and I'm having a conversation, but it was something I would go through regularly. And so, um, now if anything, like when I get super spun up and I'm at like nine, that's when I still have those, those fantasies. And so when I, ha- when I'm at that point, if once I do the cold water or the breathing or whatever, and I can actually use this technique, I use what's called descriptive grounding. And what I'm doing is I'm actually, because uh, there are times where I'm like, I'm so angry, or I'm like this breathing is just not going to do it or focusing on a sound is just not going to do it. And I'm actually visually seeing something. Something is like an idea is like occupying the space of my consciousness. So I have to replace it with something. And so it's what I do is I'll grab something that has a lot of detail, like say like a leaf or something, right? Those are everywhere or a piece of bark or whatever. And um, I can look at it and I look at the detail of it and I actually like, Talk to or not talk to myself, but like imagine where, where, what, what is the story of this thing? I, I describe to myself exactly every aspect of the detail, the shade of its color, its texture, um, you know, the veins in the leaf, like, hey, what kind of life did this leaf go through, you know, that type of deal. And I'm completely 100% focused on um, this uh, thing and I'm saying it to myself internally, right? So I'm occupying that space of my consciousness. Um, to get rid of that, that feeling so I can calm myself down. And so, um, or get rid of like those fantasies, right? And so, so that, that's, uh, another thing that you can do. And I kind of alluded to one other method when I was talking about the, the physical sensation of the thing that you're touching. And that's physical grounding. You know, that's literally, I mean, you can go outside and this is where the term comes from. Take off your shoes, feel, put your feet on the ground, like feel the, the grass or the dirt, dirt beneath your feet. And you're focusing on that feeling. You're focusing on the sensation. You're focusing on the the movement, like all that stuff of, of the ground beneath you. And um, that's where the term comes from, but it doesn't have to be your feet, right? That's like, um, just where it comes from. That's one method you can take, but this is where those. have you ever heard of a worry coin? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what those are for is actually something that you carry around with you. It doesn't have to be a coin. It can be texture or something on your wedding ring. It can be the texture of a, your zipper or something like that. It's just whatever works for you. But it's essentially having something that you can touch and focus on, like, say, the worry coin. A lot of them have, like, uh, some sort of ridges or something like that. Like, you're feeling the ridge. You're, uh, But you're not just feeling it and, like, I'm stressed and I'm just, like, rubbing this thing. You're actually focusing on the uh, the topography of whatever it is uh, the item that you're touching right and so uh, like if I touch leather or something like that right like by meeting to like physically ground and I'll touch something like that that has a lot of texture then I start imagining like if this was a topographic map what does that feel like and because of my military experience I'm like okay what route would I take and so now I'm completely immersing myself in this feeling right. And that completely melts away because I'm not physically able to have those thoughts and focus on that and what was pissing me off. So I'm replacing that, um, that feeling with, you know, that physical grounding. So, yeah, so there's physical grounding, there's that descriptive grounding. Um, and then there's the, the mindfulness grounding, right. And, um, let's see. Uh, well, and,
0: and, and real quick, you, you keep, uh, mentioning and it's absolutely true but about you know you're focusing on one thing you know and to kind of run it back to you know any military law enforcement even civilian shooters or whatever you know your, your your eyes can't focus on two planes at once right that's why you don't stare at your target but then you're supposed to have your iron sights lined up or you're supposed to be looking at your reticle or your bdc or you know wh- whatever it is and everything when you focus on what you are supposed to, or you're intending to focus on guys the the issue is and this is why we're talking about this mindfulness and, and the grounding and utilizing the the water or the breathing or even vagaling yourself down. If any of you know what vagaling yourself down is, that's why actually a lot of guys die like Elvis on the shitter because they're taking a shit. They hit the vagus nerve and they vagal themselves down too too far. But that's also um, bringing everything down. But like Tim was saying is this is a momentary thing. This is just like when, when you're given medication or, when you take that breath these are things to stretch you out of that fucking moment that you know you don't want to be in and bring you back and if you really take advantage of that and focus like tim was saying on that now okay you're back now, do we want to go back to that fucking place or do we want to do something about it, people? Now that you chilled the fuck out, you got your shit back together, how are you going to move forward?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, dude, you know, that's, that's, that's a great point, man. Like, and, and this is where it comes to having a why, you know? So, like, um, uh, Solzhenitsyn has, like, a quote, and it's, uh, any how can be, uh, or what is it? I'm going to fuck this up. So this is not an exact, uh, quote. It's like anyhow can be dealt with, uh, by like with, or with a why essentially like have a why and you can deal with anyhow is, is some, is essentially the, the thought of the quote. And so having an act, having something that you're actually working towards and having like some, like a definable, uh, specific goal in mind that is attainable, um, is super, super important. So. You need to have a reason to after after having calmed down to want to not just go right back to that unhealthy uh, way of pattern of thinking, if that makes sense. So that I mean, that's something that like I mean, that can be your why it can be a whole podcast in and of itself in a super long yeah super long discussion. So we won't get into that, but that's definitely something that um, I highly recommend that you think about, it's worth thinking about is like, why are you, why are you even alive or being or whatnot? It's definitely.
2: Even a, exist. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's not like you need to figure out the meaning of life, but uh, you know, uh, in general, but it needs to be why, like what, me, what is, what is meaningful to you in life is a good way to find uh, a simple why and, and dude, this this is such a deep subject that can go like infinite. There is no bottom, you know, to this. And that's why philosophy exists, right? Because it's like the, it's the study of like understanding why <laughs> about everything. And so uh, that, that's the reason why, uh, the reason why we're not going to get into it. Um, but to to kind of bring this also another, another technique that can be used that um, you mentioned the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is uh, you have what's called your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous uh, system. Your sympathetic nervous system is what's like being activated when you're in the fight mode. And those of you that uh, uh, have been in like an actual fight will uh, remember that after you were done fighting, you were like just done. So tired, like almost to the point where you feel like you're going to pass out or go to sleep. And that's because your sympathetic nervous system was uh, activated and you were in fight mode. And then once that uh, that adrenaline dumps and you're done, you go into what your parasympathetic nervous system is activated and then it's shutting you down. Um, and uh, the vagus nerve is actually connected to that. So you can take advantage of that actually through singing. So like, let's say like road rage is like a major thing, right? A real thing. I used to have this fucking big time. And um, because I had this like weird, I mean, my whole life was essentially being like someone who brings justice to the world, right? Or at least that's what I thought I was going to be doing. By killing those six people, I was going to be bringing justice, you know, to my father's, uh, the wrongs that had happened to my father. And so uh, I kind of acted that that uh, that idea out in everything that I did. So if someone wronged me on the road, I felt it was my job to make them understand why that was wrong and also prevent them from doing it to anyone else. So that's why I had like thoughts of ripping them out of their car and fucking beating the shit of them or shit out of them on the road. So they would be fearful to do that to anyone else. Um, but the thing was, though, is obviously that's not, I never did that. And the reason why is because that's not a sustainable way to live in the moment. Obviously that's wrong now. I know that that is a wrong thing, but in the, in the past, I looked at, at, uh, looked at that as if I do this and get arrested, I cannot sustain my, uh, way of life so therefore I won't do it but I would rage inside my car and I was just ready for them to get out so I could get out and I don't do that now it's not worth it because you should never road rage unless you are willing to die in that moment because that's what it could come towards because you don't know who you're fucking with you could be fucking with someone like me or someone else even crazier that like is going to move forward and just shoot you but anyways uh, uh, I digress oh, you see that, I,
0: that is a very important Topic is, or not topic, because man, like, like, dude, we're we're snorkeling right now. When when, dude, to get to the depths of this shit, like, you're you're wearing full encapsulation sh- suits. You know what I'm saying? Like diving Titanic shit. But that that is something very very valid. Is that I know some of the baddest dudes on earth, or let's just say the baddest dudes I know, as far as physical, you know, fighters or whatever like that. They have been humbled for one, but they are not ignorant to the fact that you know what? There was somebody that taught me. There's been people that have beat my ass. So when it comes down to this and they really think they're like, now this is what I wanna do, but what am I gonna do? Because like you said, you never, you don't fucking know who that person is. And even if they don't have a history of doing anything that could potentially cause you harm, you never know because grandma that's been like, like we had discussed either, uh, uh, earlier, she's lived that good life. She's never really had any beef with anybody, but then again, you know, somebody got her, her concealed weapons permit and she really liked shooting and, and she got really good at it. And then all of a sudden, because you flip out and you go, toward her out of fear she i mean she she t-boxes the dog shit out of you (laughs) yeah good luck coming from back from a t-box you know what i'm saying like it just you know maybe she pops you in the earlobe who knows it doesn't matter you don't know what your actions when you are out of control are going to lead you into and when you're not in control like you were saying when you're not when you're only focusing on that one point of being in the red, being in the black, you know, extreme red or black or whatever, or um, being, you know, constantly or allowing yourself to act at a hundred versus bringing yourself back, man, that's can I mean, be deadly to you.
1: Oh yeah, and. Typically the guys that I find are the most patient when it comes to stuff like this and never act are the guys that like truly know violence. And so that's something to consider too. Like if you're the type of dude or uh, woman or whatever that like you're willing to get in a bar fight, like you clearly have not committed enough violence, I'm not saying go commit a bunch of violence so you understand, but you haven't suffered the consequences of true violence. Because, I mean, we literally have three dudes in Marsock that are being tried for, uh, for murder and which is crazy, or at least not, not like first degree. I think it's second degree. I forget the actual charges, but, um, they were overseas and like literally just defended themselves, um, from a guy that attacked them. They knocked him out. They hit him. He got hit once, got knocked out, fell to the ground, hit his head, and, like ended up dying later. And so now they're, like, fighting the court system and trying to, even though it was, like, all the evidence points to self-defense, and I won't get into all the the controversy behind it, but essentially just because of one punch, you know, like, they ended a life, you know, and, I mean, which is crazy. So you may not even be the person that, like, like say you knock someone out, right? Like, you're the victor in the fight, but now you're the loser in life because now you're in fucking jail for the rest of your life. Because you just wanted to show that you're a fucking tough guy, yeah. You know, it's fucking stupid. It's just not worth it. And um, and so that, and that's also what goes through my mind too when it comes to uh, uh, like road rage. But um, but to get back to the the point though, like in in you're in the car. Like one of the things because I'm so obsessed with skill sets, I'm always practicing things all the time. Not one moment of my time is used to just not forward some sort of skill set. So when I'm in the car, I'm always like practicing singing. Now, I'm not very good at it, but I still practice it because, <laughs> you know, I, I play music. I play guitar and stuff like that. I like to be able to put my own lyrics to stuff. But anyways, like singing actually activates the Vegas move. And um, one of the times that I, uh, you know, had some serious road rage recently, and this is when my anger was is nowhere near what it used to be. But I was like, super fucking upset and was having like thoughts like I used to in the past. And so, uh, I know that singing activates, uh, the, uh, vagus nerve and I know that the vagus nerve is connected to the parasympathetic nervous system or, or uh, or response. And so I just started singing and I like metal, right? Metal is right. super aggressive and I felt like being aggressive. So I sang metal and actually made me feel a lot better. And I was like, holy shit, that shit actually works. <laughs> you know,
0: well, and, 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 you know, little man, dude, you know, i yeah. okay, all three of us have like our, our favorite little song or whatever, you know, our little inside joke and everything. But dude, I play that and he like, you know, like go at it and everything. And I'm like, dang, dude, you're right. And dude, he is gone. Son, he is out for the count passed out in that backseat, <laughs> everything like that. because he's really, you know, like getting after it, but then you put on something that's just like, ah, and he's up like, what is this horse shit? He doesn't use that language, but you know what I'm saying. But you're absolutely right with that singing, and I'm not just saying with metal, but with singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can hit that um, that vagal nerve and
1: calm down, calm right down, big time. And dude, like a lot of this stuff too. Like there, there's a lot of uh, potential tough guys that are like listening to this podcast and being like, "That shit's gay. Like that's weak. Like I'm not gonna fucking do that." But the thing is, though, is like if you just give it a chance and let go of your pride, just to try it, you will see that this stuff will make such a difference in your life. Just something like breathing, like for instance, like uh, I, I went to a, a thing called uh, Intrepid Spirit in the uh, military, and um, it's like a, a five-week thing where they—it's essentially just nothing but medical exams and stuff like that. And I actually saw the data, the like literal data. They hook you up with a bunch of electrodes and uh, heart rate monitors, and even, like, uh, I don't know what they were, but they were all over my head, too. And
0: um, brain waves and stuff like
2: that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, – and then they, they put you in a, a stress state, and they'll show you, like, how your heart rate is, how your oxygen, like, your brain waves, like, all that stuff. And then they have you go through brain uh, – or brain, uh, breath exercises. And, dude, like, ha- it's one of those things that until you actually see the data unfolding in front of you, at least for me – I was I was one of those guys that was like, you want me to breathe? That shit's lame. Like, you know, like, what is that going to do for me? And um, but I've seen the data actually unfold in front of me. And that shit actually physiologically works like and, and psychologically, obviously, because it's lowering that physiology, um, but it actually works. And I've seen the data um, and you can actually experience this. Um, so it's like me telling you that this works is more than just anecdotal is what I'm getting at. Like there's actual evidence behind this, not just me telling you, go oh, trust me, man, you know, um, but uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. But so I want to tell you um, a story, a quick one about even after all of this that I've been through, after all the, because the, after inpatient view, I went to intensive outpatient because what it is, it's like a step down program, right? So I went, went to IOP
0: from, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so the reason why you go to inpatient, obviously, when it's a severe enough problem is because it puts you in a very controlled uh, state like, or uh, environment, right? Like all the stressors are highly controlled. And so all you focus on is the, the root causes, right? It gives you space to handle just that. And then when you come back from that, obviously, you're going back to all the normal stresses of life. So you don't want to just jump right back in unless you're, I mean, I, I couldn't do it. There are people that can do it, but I could not do it. So I went to IOP or the intensive outpatient. And what that is, is essentially, uh, more knowledge. It reinforces what you've already learned. Um, cause imagine inpatient as like a course. It, it, it's a place where you're getting information. Like I, that's how I learned all those coping, uh, coping, uh, skills was from inpatient. I was constantly getting classes. They were teaching me about the science of how the body works, how the coping works, how addiction works, you know, um, because I obviously I was drinking a ton, like instead of drinking, drinking, how can I cope with these specific things? It was like a, a seven week course that had therapy in it so that I could deal with the root cause. So it's like, not only let's get you to a better place mentally, but in the event that you do start losing your shit, you know, like this is how you can deal with it. And so that's what inpatient was in a nutshell. Now, when I get came back to the, the real world, as it was, as it were, and like I had all my normal stressors, then what I did was I went to intensive outpatient, and that was a place that allowed me to uh, still reinforce that information. But I went home every night. So it was like, hey, all day I'm, I'm having drilled into me like, hey, this is how you handle the situations, blah, blah, blah. I go home, I'm super fucking stressed, and this is now my chance to um, put it into practice, right? And so that was another, I think, four weeks of intensive outpatient, uh, what I did. And that allowed me to get used to, because I, I would have a hard time that night. I would deal with it as best I could. I would go back to intensive outpatient the next day. We'd talk about it, strategize, all that. And then I'd go and deal with it again once I got home. Um, so I went through that. And then from uh, from there, now I'm just... Kind of going through life like i'm now i'm actually using it like full bore um in what would you say the real world without any i'm still getting therapy on the side to continue reinforcing that stuff that's just once a week um, which is absolutely massively important it's done wonders but I, I want to go through a small story though even after all of that i still faced a situation where that was bad enough for me to almost go back completely waste all the progress that i had made um and uh and what i did to solve it was reach out um and actually ask for help again um and i didn't go back to impatient but this this is what happened like so but as i already stated my trigger are is kids crying and so i was in the living room um uh sitting down i was on my phone it was actually a really good day and um, my daughter and son were running around. The night was drawing down. They were running around having fun. And my daughter, like, grabbed my son and, like, pulled him or something. My, because uh, I didn't see it happen. My son just face plants, like, straight into the ground, like, super hard. And, um, and just starts, does that whole, like, <gasps> and it just wails. And he hits that perfect frequency. And it sounds exactly like the kid in Africa sounded. And so, uh, the thing is though, is that it, that is such a, even after all the therapy and stuff I've been through, like I'm still not at the point. I'm at the point now where I can talk about the story. Um, I can recount the story without having physical reactions. I can write it down without having physical reactions, but that information that the, the frequency of that, uh, of the cry is still something that activates all that stuff in my head and makes my body believe that I'm back in Africa. And so. I hear my son cry. Um, and the thing is, is when I go into fight mode, I, I'm pretty sure I went over this in the first episode. My mind goes to threat and non-threat or threat and handling threat. So I see a I don't no longer see my son. I see a child that's in distress. I no longer see my daughter. I see uh, someone that caused that child to be in distress. And in the past, I never act acted. So now I act. And, um, unfortunately, sometimes. And so my son's crying. I fly out of my, uh, chair and I immediately start going to eliminate the threat. And the thing is, I'm being so aggressive and I'm not thinking. This is like, I'm just reacting. And so this is where the whole, uh, like, like I said, that this is where the PTSD is kicking in is because my, my body, um, even though I see my surroundings, my body believes it's in Africa. Um, or like my physiology and that's like all like now i'm at like nine you know i'm not uh like my my sud scores at nine and i am just moving and um the thing is is i see my daughter's face because she she knows like in her mind she sees what's about to happen and uh and that's like extreme violence and my my <clears throat> here's one of the big things though when it comes to like having a support system is you you have to make your support system aware of what it is that you're going through, this like actual communication of this stuff. You got to talk about it um, because my my wife understands my triggers and and knows that it's the crying that sets me off and that, um, you know, sometimes like sometimes I'm able to I hear I, I see I feel myself shooting up. I use the techniques um, that I, I know or have been taught and I come down, I can step away, calm down stuff. But there are some times, depending on the severity, where I, my, my mind just snaps. And that was one of the times. <clears throat> and, um, my wife flies out of the bedroom. because She knows like what I'm about to do. And she's like, Tim, <clears throat> go upstairs. And so I'm like, oh, and it's just a second snaps me out just enough, um, to be like, oh shit. And, and I see the, that's when I realized the face that my daughter had. And it was of absolute terror and um uh and now we're talking about that self-criticism now i'm like really i go upstairs i am like beating myself up like fucking crazy because it's i go to the worst case scenario in my head i'm like i've learned nothing i'm exactly how i was from before like going to inpatient, going to outpatient like has done nothing for me like i'm still the piece of shit that i was from before like there is no saving me, you know and um and that's, that's also part of the issue with being in such a heightened state. I wasn't using rationality. I was using just pure emotion. And, um, and so I, I'm sitting up there and I'm getting, I'm now I'm starting to spiral because for the first time, now I'm starting to have like visual flashbacks where, um, but the thing, uh, it's not like I'm in Africa. It's more of like, I'm seeing my daughter's face when I j- like from just now that like I terrified her. I'm seeing her face from a prior incident. And then I'm seeing the, uh, the guy's face that did the violence to the kid in Africa. And it's repeating over and over and over. <clears throat> and, I'm, and I'm feeling so out of control. I don't know. I don't know how to stop it. I am like completely lost because I'm so heightened. I can't remember anything that I went through in, uh, in inpatient. And, um, and I'm like losing it. So I, I go and I go do the thing that I know that works. And that's alcohol. Um, and which, by the way, it doesn't fucking work. It just makes shit worse. Um, it just makes me care. Well,
0: wait, wait, with the alcohol, real quick, and I already know what the answer is. Do you, uh, when 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 you finished uh, a bottle, did you ever find like a secret note or whatever, or the fucking answer written for you at the bottom of that bottle, or <laughs> did you just find a fucking problem, which was an empty bottle?
1: Yeah. No, I found an empty bottle. So then I went to another bottle to try and find that note.
0: <laughs> yeah. <you> know, <laughs> I I never found that fucking note. I, yeah. you know, but after a while I just said to hell with it. And I gave, I, I, I looked for the note uh, somewhere else, you yeah. know, maybe yeah. inside me. Yeah. yeah. Not at the bottom of that bottle. But, sorry to interrupt, man. But yeah, that, that's something I ask people. I'm like, oh, really? Did you ever find that magic fucking note you were looking for? The magic fucking answer? Nope. I just found an empty bottle and headache afterwards, you know?
1: Oh man, yep. Yeah. And that, and dude, that's that essentially, that's what I was seeking apparently, like in the moment, cause I was like, I'm, dude, I'm, I can't handle this. Like, I don't know how to stop this, this spiraling feeling, like this, uh, this falling feeling in, inside. Like, I need to, I need to go drink about it. And so I got in my truck, went to the gas station, bought a bunch of beer, came back and I was like sitting in the, the driveway and I'm, to, and I'm at, I'm like looking at the alcohol. And I'm debating with myself, like, dude, you've come so far. Like, do you want to give it all up for for the for alcohol? Well, what I didn't realize was my wife was gone. She had taken the other car to take my son to the hospital because he needed stitches uh, in his lip. And um, and so I don't I don't notice because I'm so I'm so in such a frenzy. I don't notice that dude, the car is gone. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Because I don't care at this point. I was like, fuck it. Like I'm getting fucked up. And so I slam like, uh, three beers. And I get like, uh, a little buzz going and I grab the rest of the beer and then I go inside <clears throat> and I realized that there's no one in the house. And, uh, being in the emotional state that I was, um, I think the worst again, I'm like, holy shit. Like she took the kids, like she, you know, I, I have nothing now because, you know, like the, my only, like reason for being, you know, uh, and I'm, and I'm still evolving. I'm, I'm learning to live for myself. Um, and I'm getting there, but at this point, especially in the story, um, like the only reason I live or, you know, or move forward is for my kids. And so I'm like, I just lost the reason for everything. You know, I'm just like, she took, I, I just created another me because obviously the very first thing that happens in my story is like my parents splitting. So I'm like, Holy fuck. I just, the one thing I didn't want m- for my kids to go through and, you know, I, and not that like, it was just that, and that created me obviously, but in my, like I said, my heightened state, I'm like, fuck, worst case scenario. I just created another sociopath that's going to suffer throughout his life. Um, and I'm like, Oh fuck. And I'm like, yep. You know what? I really don't care about anything now. So I was like, now I have no reason to not get fucked up. So, um, uh, I go upstairs and I'm I'm gonna start like just slamming all the beers, and, but there's something inside that's like, dude, fuck, man, like, do you really want to do this? And I'm like battling myself the entire time because I know I still have time to turn back, but then I'm like still in that state of like I don't give a fuck, like shut up, like other side, like we're getting fucked up about this, and um, and then I get a text <clears throat> from my wife saying that she uh, had to take my son to the um to the er and that you know she took both kids obviously and i had the car with the car seats so she had to take both the kids without the car seats because i went to go get alcohol and so now i'm even i'm beating myself up even more because i'm like wow dude like not only were you wrong not only did you drink because uh because you couldn't handle this you know because of what how you reacted you know um but now you endangered your kids further because you had to go get alcohol. And I'm like, fucking alcohol, dude. And uh and I was like, well, I gotta now I'm like still buzzed. Now I'm risking getting a DUI to take the car with the car seats to my uh my wife. But I I do it anyway. So I I drive out there, I go to the ER, I you know, park the car, I'm like, hey, the other car's here. And um, you know, my son's sitting there, he's fine, he's like not crying anymore. But I know that his lip is like absolutely huge. I know he needs to get stitches. I also know they're going to have to hold him down to do it. And I know he's going to be wailing. So I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I'll I'll kill the nurse. Like, I will literally literally go into fight mode and try and protect my child over something that, you know, with something that they're trying to help him with because of the crime. And my wife knows this as well. And she's like, you need to go home. And I was like, no, I want to be here for him. She's like, you need to, to support him. You need to support yourself. She's like, you need to go home. And I'm like, okay. And as I was leaving, she's like, call someone from Laurel Ridge that like you were there with. And I'm like, okay. And so I leave having no intention of calling anyone, you know, because I was still in that like old state of mind where I was like, dude, what am I, what am I seeking attention? That's how I felt like that calling someone and letting them know that I was out of control or going down that route of being out of control was going to make me look weak. And I was actually being weak because I was just seeking attention from someone rather than just handling it myself. And um, I'm at home and I'm like, so I'm now I'm home alone with the alcohol and, and still having those like visual flashbacks. And I'm like, fuck, like, what do I do? Like I don't, now that I know that my, uh, I didn't lose my kids. Now I'm, like, fighting, like, do not drink. Like, don't make this worse, you know? And, well, and that's and, where
0: that temptation kicks in, like, oh, well, shit, I guess things weren't so bad. And I already finished three beers, you know? Yeah, what, yeah. What's You know, what's nine more, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: you know where nine more is going to lead,
2: you know?
1: And the way that I drink, like, I always grab, I don't, I don't drink to enjoy, I drink to get drunk. And so, like, I always grab beer that has the highest alcohol content so like i had a bunch of uh dragon's milk which i'm not sure if you are familiar with but that's like 11 percent beer and uh-huh. so i was like just going to be slamming those so three of those is quite quite a bit and you're feeling pretty good after that especially having not drank for a while but anyways like i'm sitting there debating with myself and um uh was like you know what like, and I realized I had that like awareness, thankfully, like, dude, you are going through the same exact thought process that you were in the past. Like, stop. You're like, you're worried about looking like a pussy. Like, dude, you're being a pussy right now. Like, fucking make the call. You know, like, dude, you've come way too far to let your pride throw you right back to where you were. And so I was like, dude, even if I look like a pussy to the guys that I'm about to call, like, it's worth it. Be- my kids are worth it. Like, like you said, I'm worth it. And so I still was, to be 100% honest, I was still a little bit too pussy to call, but I'm on like a group chat with him on uh, Signal. And so I sent a message, like uh, a text saying, Look, this is what I'm going through. Like, I'm spiraling. I can't remember anything from uh, Lowell Ridge. Like, I'm fucking, I need help. And dude, it, because we're like all in this like group of like support group together. Like, if any of us have, like, any issues, we actually talk to each other. Like, dude, within minutes, I got a message back. And uh, it was my buddy, Denny. And, dude, he, like, walked me through the, uh, the cold water. I did the cold water and breathing. And uh, and that brought me back um, down enough to where then I could start using the other grounding techniques, which he helped me with. And, dude, I like, it brought me down enough where I was actually able to start joking a little bit after that. Um, I got rid of all the rest of the alcohol. Um, and then I went upstairs, and I was in a state where I could actually go to sleep. um so I, um went I went to sleep, woke up the next morning, and um you know handled my shit because I was in a, a better state of mind and uh, and that all came from like letting go of my pride and and asking for help. really?
0: Well, see that's awesome is that you. You went there. You were fucking there, son. You know what I'm saying? Like all the way from 101, or let's just say 11, right? Out of out of a 10 scale, all the way down through utilizing each one of these skills that you had learned. It it didn't. It's not automatic, but you still worked it. Work the problem. Work the problem. Work the problem. Don't become the problem. Don't become more of the problem. Work the problem. Work the problem. Work the problem, problem. till like you said, the the next morning you woke up and you're like, "Holy shit, it worked." I man. made It, it yeah. worked, man. So it, it's yeah. a new fuck. This, it, you know, and you try not to blow yourself up, but at the same time, you also need to be, for one, grateful for it, but you need to give yourself credit. Not not in a fucking ridiculous way, but go, hey, dude, you know what? Good fucking job, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude, because I was still, and what you just said is so important, something that we just don't do enough. And that's one is give yourself a little bit of credit and also give yourself a little bit of forgiveness. You know, so like, this is what I wanted to bring up with the whole like worst critic thing. Like, a lot of my, a lot of that situation spiraled because I was beating myself up so bad. I was like wallowing in my own self-pity. Um, and uh instead of being like, look, dude, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do anything. You scared your daughter, which obviously is bad, but you didn't, you didn't harm anyone. You stopped yourself. Like you are working through this problem and you progressed a lot. Like, don't beat yourself up so bad work through it make better decisions next time like plan better whatever there are definitely definitely things that you can you you are you are better than who you were you are not your past and you are moving forward towards the light like uh and give yourself that sort of credit and um even because even the next morning i was still beating myself up over like i can't believe that i drank I can't, I can't believe that I scared my daughter so bad. And, um, you know, it was like, what? it took me a while and talking again, talking with friends about it. Um, you know, like yourself included, like that I just need to give myself a little bit of credit and understand that like, I am still on the journey and I had made a lot of progress. Um, and that was a big thing my wife had told me too. It was like, look, like, yeah, you made you, you didn't make the best decision, but you did not handle this in any way close to the way you would have handled this in the past. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. Like, and with that, I don't
0: mean it in a braggadocious type um, credit or anything like that. But what you're doing is that you are realizing that you just went through something that in the past you would have taken let's just say a a a negative or more negative path however through that trial and tribulation you are afterwards realizing that the path that you set out on after that trigger after that negative incident your Thoughts and your actions were more in line with the new path that you are looking to take. And maybe we're going to veer a little bit or it's not going to be as straight, you know, as as we hope, you know, hope for whatever. Because we we get these these thoughts of like, this is how it's going to be. And then like when it when it's not like you imagine because, well, it isn't reality yet. Um, you, you get these grandiose thoughts in your head, but, and that's also where you can't go back, you know, the, the back and forth of, well, give yourself a little credit, but you didn't do this great. But, but, but just stop with all the bullshit. Stop making life more complicated than it is. Just realize what you did good. Realize what you can improve. Forgive what you did that you can improve. Store the lessons learned from what you did good and apply it all the next time that this happens oh my god did he say the next time yes the next time that this happens because whether it's a baby crying or um you know the road rage or whatever a person may have that is either a no and see this is the other thing a known trigger or a completely unknown trigger There are things that are going to trigger us every, well, not every day, but maybe just that once in a lifetime, you had no earthly friggin' idea that this was going to trigger you like like it was. And all you need to do, I say all you need to do, But a huge tool in your toolbox will be what you have continued to do in each one of these other situations, the consistent baseline of I realize that there's a, a, a problem and that, that, that kind of goes into like OODA loop and, you know, all kinds of things, observe, orient, decide, act, you know, all that good stuff. And it's just a repetitive, you know, circle. But w- once you hone these skills and know what works best for you, whether it's, you know, dousing yourself with ice cold water or breathing or vagling yourself down and then, Kind of grounding, and then okay. Now that we kind of have that um, that non poisonous medication in us, we, we calm ourselves down. You know, all right. Now we need to figure out the solution. Then we need to figure out you know the the plan going forward.
1: Oh okay. yeah. So, and i mean i can i can give you a real world example and it actually happened last night and before i go into that one of the things i forgot to mention too is i have it in my hand i know you can't see it but this is called a smell stick and so another one of the grounding techniques you can use is it literally looks like a little chapstick and you can find them on amazon but um mine has it, it has a wick inside and uh it has uh, essential oils and mine happens to be mint a very strong scent that's pleasant to me. And so it has to be something that's pleasant, not just any sort of strong uh, scent. But um your olfactory sense is actually connected to your amygdala. So you can use this to also bring yourself to the present. Um but the uh the thing that happened uh last night actually, which is uh sucks that it happened, but it's cool for this talk is uh, again with my son, my son fucks himself up all the time. Like, oh, he's like always out to hurt himself. Um, but, uh, my, my wife was in the garage and my daughter and son were playing outside and this is at nighttime. And now my son knows like how hard rocks are, um, because he took like a pretty big rock and just threw it straight up in the air. And, um, and it came right back down because what comes up or what goes up must come down. And it smacked him right in the, the side of the head, like near his temple. And it must have been it must have been a sharp rock. I was inside. I didn't know that this that this had happened, and um, I was actually working on a knife that I'm uh, gonna post a little bit later today. Um, but uh, it it actually left like a puncture wound, like in uh, on his head. Yeah, because it had such a it was like such a sharp rock. Um, but uh, so but the head has a, a ton of capillaries, so it bleeds a lot no matter how small the wound is, which is why like wrestling, you know, they would carry those razor blades and just like, you know, like cut themselves and they'd be bleeding all over. There's tiny cuts. Um, but so he is like screaming dude, you know, and, uh, and that's the thing like, uh, that he is, my son's kind of small. So he kind of from a distance, you know, looks like the same size as that African child. And he saw, he was, and when I ran outside to see what was going on, he was also bleeding from one of the same places as the African child. And so, I mean, you can only imagine that like auditory and visual stimulus, you know, wanting to send me into a frenzy. And, um and it kind of did for a second. But the thing is, is since the last time, and since that, the, the, the event where I was telling you where I drank again, and then like, contacted a friend and stuff like that and walked myself down i've done more work you know uh when it comes to therapy um also more work on just on a day-to-day basis as far as using the grounding methods um and stuff like that to where now i still get triggered by crying i get really upset really quick but the thing is though is like with working with uh uh, my, uh, therapist more and more strategizing and actually putting it into practice. Like I was saying, like earlier with the meditation, same with doing the grounding exercise. It's like a skill. You have to practice it. Um, and it gets, it gets stronger and stronger every time. And so I, in, in a split second, I was at like nine again, because now I'm seeing my son screaming and blood just running down his face and I don't know what happened, you know? So now, cause Again, you know, I was saying like, I'm the the one that brings justice. I'm looking for a target. Something caused this and something needs to pay. That's what's going through my mind in that moment. And I'm looking around and um, I don't see anything. And that's when I realized right in that moment what I was doing. And uh, because I have examined this a lot and uh, and I've gone through this a lot and have to calm myself down on a daily basis because my kids cry every day. You know, they're just not—they're uh, because their normal crying sets me off, just not as much. And so, like, it's called exposure therapy, and I actually did a ton of that in Laurel Ridge uh, when it came to like I would have to record myself, talk telling the story, and then I'd have to listen to the story every day. Um, and so through that, and also having to go through daily occurrences with my kids crying, just not as intense, um, and having to deal with that actually utilize those grounding techniques in my moment of extremis where like a really bad event happened what was bad enough to send me into that nine area you know like where i was gonna like try and go hurt my daughter the the last time this time i was actually able to be aware enough um, because i had put so much work in to be able to realize what i was doing and calm myself down calm myself down enough where at first i was really angry (laughs) <laughs> and I was like tr- uh, trying to tell my uh, son to stop crying. And I was like yelling, but, but the, the, be- the good thing though, is like, that was the extent of my anger because I had calmed myself down to where I wasn't trying to attack something, but then I was able to further calm myself down during the event where then I could provide him comfort. And, um, and that was dude. And also like help clean his wound, you know, and stuff like that. Like it was a, Hundred and eighty degrees from how I would have acted, even like two months ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and that's all because of the work that I've been doing every day. And I and the, I shouldn't even put it that way because it's not just through me. You know what I'm saying? It's like the work that I do with the support of my family and friends. And because when it goes beyond something that I can handle, because I, I'm I'm super honest with myself now like when it comes to what what my limits are. And um obviously you want to push your limits. You don't want to just stay in this comfortable zone um all the time because then you won't progress, you know. Um, But at the same time, like I know when I'm getting to a point when I need to be like, okay, I need to ask for help or I need to make it known that I'm reaching my limit, you know, or something so that I can use that support system instead of trying to just have self-reliance. Because, you know, just like I said, like my... I'm no longer on a special operations team. Like, but at the same time, like my, my team now is my family. You know what I'm saying? So just like I would use the support of my team in a situation of CTV or, you know, uh, a raid or whatever, like I'm going to do the same thing uh, with my family. Like I said, I, I look at my healing as war and there's absolutely no reason why I would never go into war by myself. So why would I do that same thing? Like, with my psychological work, you know, I'm going to use the support of my team, which is my family. So I ask for help whenever it is, uh, whenever necessary. And, um, so yeah, so I mean, dude, I've, I've come a long way. Uh, and, uh, and actually I didn't even think about how I reacted yesterday until just now when we were talking about it, this was, that wasn't something I examined yesterday. I just handled the issue and we continued on. So
0: well, you had mentioned you know for for you know all the steel force delta cage fighters out there that think you know like this is you know weak and stuff yeah. it's it's not necessarily well, for one, it's not weak, okay? These are tools that we utilize to actually improve our position within ourselves, within our life, and within the mission that we're set on. These are tools. It does not matter. I mean, you know, do you bring an extra pair of socks? Well, yeah, but that's, you know, that's kind of weak. Walking the same sock while well, you're a fucking idiot for, you know, to start. But, oh, this is weak. That's weak. No, it's really not. I mean, ounces or pound, pounds are pain, so make sure that what you're utilizing, what you're um, putting in your brain through your actions, stuff like that, are kind of multipurposed. But any of this stuff, anything that's going to help you, whether somebody else is going to think it's weak or it's strong, it's useful or it's not, whatever. It doesn't matter they're gonna think that shit regardless yeah. what you need to realize is does it work for you does it not Does part of it work for you well then take that part and then just shit can the rest you know do you, do you need a whole 100 pack of baby wipes you know little hulas and stuff like that or do you just need a little ziploc bag where you take 25 with you you know, to, to bathe yourself for the next 25 weeks and well,
1: shit. Here's also, I mean, a, a perfect concept too, it's like, you don't, uh, you don't carry all the mission essential care by yourself. You spread load. It Absolutely up. not. Correct. You know? So why, why would you try and hold the world on top of your shoulders when you have a, a family or a team, a support system that's there to help you? You know, right. it doesn't we matter go, if you're yeah. point
0: man, slack man, you know, if, if you're the comms dude, if you're the shooter, if you're the fighter because you're, you know, uh, that's your profession or you're the boss at your company or you're the janitor or whatever, you know, does, does, does the boss, does the owner of the company walk around with a mop and a stapler? You know, all well, the stapler is probably down in the basement, but that's for a whole different show. You know, but um, you know, he doesn't walk around with all that, right? There, there's, there's, there's the delegation, but there's also knowing who is carrying what, who you can rely on for that. When you have that cohesive, close-knit, trusting, reliable team and team members within it, you. And you hit the nail so freaking perfectly, man. It's like we pride ourselves on our freaking teams and how bad we are as a team. And, man, I don't roll nowhere with my boys and we'll fuck you up because we roll as a whole fire team and all this stuff. And then when it comes to something that is the stigma is weak or whatever, you wouldn't be willing to reach out to your teammates. Why, dude? Because they probably like, bro. And you know, I, I've seen the the uh, drawings you made of the, of the other dudes that you know you were at the impatient with and stuff like that, bro. Those those dudes not look like you know pussies to me. You know what I'm saying? But they all reached out, you know, and and then they found other dudes like like minded individuals. And I don't mean like, oh, all of us have you know this or that but just dudes that they really clicked with and all you guys, you know, sat there and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucked up and I need some help. You, you, you come in the same boat and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. We should be friends. We, We should hang out. And now it went from that and all of you guys, the same thing as going through a deployment, right? Or going through anything Good, bad, indifferent, but together with people, you all, you can relate because you all went through the same shit, right? Well, you all went through the same ways of finding that light. And then now when you guys stray toward the dark, and I won't even say toward the shadow because, dude, you and I can go into shadows, darkness versus light. You have to have light and dark to create the shadow and just, dude, that's that's another 44 hour long um, thing but utilizing that man and realizing that you have a team, relying on yourself but also realizing that when you come to that point and you need that other team member, maybe you need a mop or you need a stapler or you need some food cooked or whatever, I mean these are all important aspects of whatever task that you reach out to them
1: oh yeah and well, and, like some people make the mistake of thinking that they're unique in that in their suffering, you know what I'm saying like it's one of those things that and this is where we uh, go back to the whole not comparing um, uh, experiences because trauma is trauma is trauma like you don't have a choice. In uh dictating how your mind or uh your psyche like processes trauma. So that the thing is is one of the most important things that I learned when I went to inpatient was that I'm not alone. Even though like no one had the same experience as me, they all had suffered in such a way that we all obviously ended up in inpatient. And through that we like uh bonded, you know, through uh through that like shared suffering or shared trauma, right? And so but, and, but here's the thing, it, it doesn't need to take you to go to inpatient for you to realize that you're not alone. Like you really aren't, and you'd be surprised at how much like your fellow man will understand you if you just like give them the chance. You know so.
0: Well, and that's one of the uh, big. F- I you know well I, I I talk I I ask a certain. Someone, I think his name was Tim. I think his name was Tim. When I decided this, this, uh, that I wanted to do the new you. And he, he gave me some really good advice. Is like, just basically strip away all the other bullshit and find out what your like mentality is for it. Like what, what's your fucking
2: purpose behind it? Not down in the weeds, but why are you doing it? Hmm you know, type thing and
0: reaching out to that, that Tim fella, whoever he is, um, you know, I would have never taken the route that I have with this show if it wasn't for reaching out and just asking, you know, and taking Taking everybody's different, you know, we, we, we've discussed it in your, your previous episode and in this episode, comparing them, man. We're not here to fucking compare. Everybody has their own individual series of events that have happened. However, through sharing those so many of the people out there that think they're the only one. That they're, you know, man, I, I, I'm just not going to burden people because they wouldn't understand. This is an outlet for not only our listeners. Well, I guess I should say it first our, our guests who tell their story, not what appears to be, you know, through their company or their social media or, you know, what people perceive of them. But really, like, just go at it. But also for our listeners to realize, like, damn, dude, that, that motherfucker just hit like 99.98% of the shit. Like, that little 2%, 0.2%, it's a little bit different. But, like you said earlier, is we're all different, but nobody's alone. No, nobody's. Nobody's completely different than anybody else, and nobody's completely the same as anybody else. So a lot of what this show does is brings this out so that, for one, they don't feel alone. For two, they can learn some things that other people, whether they're, they've been successful at it, they've failed at it, Um or they're still working some things out. You know what I'm saying? are doing. And I... I thought that was really cool. When that Tim guy um, just told me, like, dude, what do you want out of it? None of the other bullshit matters, man. But what do you... What do you want? What, what What's the mentality behind the show? And that, that really fucking helped, man. It really did. And I... I think it's only gonna get better, you know, once I can get past, you know, this Tim guy. No. <laughs> um, but uh no dude. Now and in in you know th- this has been going a little longer than our other podcasts, but be- because we are putting out so much and this is gonna be a lot for um people to process. So I, I I encourage them to write this, you know, write down and and listen multiple times. You know, you can just put it on repeat sometimes and see things that you didn't realize were there. But I am curious as to, you know, you, you talked about obviously things from childhood and adulthood that have kind of brought you to almost a culmination of understanding what a lot of your triggers are um, and a lot of your solutions or actions that you would take um, when it you know comes to a, a child specifically you know that that was huge a child um, crying to you and you reacting when. It is a child of an innocent nature. Like you said, you know, um, son falls, breaks, busts his mouth or whatever like that. Nobody pushed him. There wasn't a, a villain in this. It's, it's just called fucking life. Like that just happened, but there was that trigger and you worked through it very well, you know, and, and you accepted that. Now, what happens with you being that
2: protector? Do you feel that you would be better suited if things
0: were to escalate, if you will? And and that's all in perception. But now, the reason that you're triggered or go back to a 9 or a 10 is because of the frequency of the crying or the terror um either perceived or seen from and i'll make it very specific one of your children because of a villain you 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 see how it's like okay it was just you and the child and that frequency but now you being the protector, or you, and, and this this isn't specific to just you being the protector, but I'm I'm utilizing that because that's who you are, man. Knowing that you dealt with life handing you know a shitty rock, a shitty situation, or you know a floor high welcome to it to to your son and working that problem, if something even more extreme like adding that that predator that um that villain to the situation um do you feel that you would be more willing and able to address that situation in a better way
1: man that's a really tough question um So this is what this, I would, I would have to ask myself the why kind of like what we were talking about with you and your podcast. Um, Why have I done all this work? You know, um, why have I endured the things that I've endured? And, um, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of that has to do with my kids. And so, and, and I, and so here's the, the really important thing. Um, I think anyways, and this may be just overanalyzation, um, in some people's eyes, but at least for me, when it comes to like mission planning, like obviously you're going to want to look at like an enemy center of gravity and critical vulnerability and things like that before you go out on the mission. And so I kind of do that to myself and I, I look at and okay, hey, what's my critical vulnerability? and that would be um there being a villain involved because in my mind especially with how i grew up that would justify um you know the means for the end and um but this is when i have to ask myself like what's that that commander's intent you know like what is my actual mission and my mission in the past was to kill six people my mission now is to, you know, allow my kids to be the best versions of themselves and try and guide them on the way as best I can, and by doing that, or doing that through also being a uh, uh, example, an example through action, like leading from the front, and so, I, dude, if there was a villain involved. Like that would be one of the hardest things that I would have to do to back down and not give in to my most selfish desire of being uh the Avenger that I was like brought up to be. But then I would have, like I said, that why would be ever present just in their face, um, in their actions, like as children at in their innocence, you know, and um I would hope. That my why would be strong enough, like in the moment, for me to take that tactical pause to be able to step back and handle um, the situation the way that I handled it last night. You know what I'm saying? It's it's 100% okay with being upset if something happened, you know, to your kid, which is like what my initial reaction was. Right? Was I was upset and rightfully
2: yeah.
1: my son was hurt. Um, It's scary. And so I was scared, but at the same time, it's like I had to then calm myself down and handle the situation best fit for my son, not for myself, you know? So um, yeah, I mean that dude, that's a fucking great question. And, but I'm, and I'm glad you asked it because had I been faced with that situation without having thought about it um, and reminded myself, this is where that mission planning comes in is me understanding that this is a possibility in the future and asking myself like, what is my answer? Like, is my why still the same? And if it is, how would I react in that situation? You know? Um, yeah, man. Um,
0: well, and the reason, the, the reason that I, I really want people to wanted people to hear your, your answer to that, or sometimes it's just fine to not know and realize that you don't know because then that's something that you can in your own time without creating unnecessary stressors, but kind of work through, you know, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of us bring, uh, references back to whatever we're good at, whatever we, we do, you know, but at the same time, think think you know and i I want you guys to think back no matter what you went to uh a course for or college for or whatever like that there are a lot of things that you were trained to do for a reason tools to to put in your toolbox that you oftentimes don't need to employ but you're 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 taught all these, you know. You got your whole Gucci kit and all that stuff, and all the 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 cool stuff that 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 you've learned. But no matter what, if you can take like you did last night, um, take that situation, and now I work to introduce um, a villain into it, which kind of you know, it, it changes it up. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at, at, at when when everything and you you know this as well as I do is going back to your fundamentals. What are your fundamentals telling you? And why are your fundamentals so fucking ingrained in you? Because it's through repetitious action of the proper fundamentals or whatever fundamentals are applicable to that situation. And that's the cool thing about your body. Your conscious versus subconscious decision and primal instincts and, you know, another three hours uh, of talking to that stuff is when you get to that, oh, shit, startle position. And you are not thinking as clearly as you should be, your body is going to react. And, you know, that that that's that's the thing, just like you handling it last night, man. You are creating that. Yeah. That that new <laughs> that new process within Tim. And when the shit hits the fan, your first instincts after time will not be to yeah. kill. Yeah. They will not be to um Drink, they will not be to this. You will have a new course of action. Not saying that the veracity, the balance of action that you're going to attack it with isn't there. That level of extreme, extreme is there. Absolutely. It's the different course of action that you take to mitigate whatever threat or enhance whatever pleasure, if you will, um, as you address life and as you address every moment within it and going down that, that different path and creating, you know, I, I keep going back to this, but a new you, it's just reshaping your brain, man, reshaping your actions, stuff like that, um. Because you still, got, you still got that violence action in you. Dude, Tim, you're never going to lose that stuff. I hope you don't want to. And, and that goes back into u- utilizing, you know, we all have perceived evil and good in us and this and that. But we all got that drive, man. <laughs> we are all humans. We all do. It's how you utilize that drive. To push forward, what actions do you take along that path to mitigate the threat
2: or enhance the pleasure? So, um, you know, I, I I know that was a hard question, and some
0: people might even be like, damn, Chuck, that was kind of a dick move, man. You just, you know, ambushing them at the end. But the reason that I wanted to kind of ambush you at the end with that is because we already talked through not everything, but a good bit of that decision making, that process, lessons learned from the past, lessons learned from when, you know, your son, you know, wanted to bust in his mouth and then you went there and stuff like that. Um, you know, you went to the store. You came back. You're like, ah, I just, I just fucked this all up. You know, type thing. To how'd you handle it last night? And then, okay, you you, you got that down. Now let's throw a monkey wrench in the plan. Now there's a villain hurting your child. Now you are all the way back
2: to that guy drawing that baby in. Mm-hmm. now how do you handle it
0: brother and what you'll be able to do with repetitive purposeful and more productive more positive repetitions um, of action repetitive action I think you'll handle it differently but with the same friggin' aggression because you know deep down inside, man, if you if you got to flip the script and you got to go back, well, then you can, but you don't want to. Yeah. You have that ability for the darkness down like it's cool. So just utilize it to bring yeah. some more light.
1: Being that uh, monster under self-control.
0: Absolutely. Dude, it, it all comes back to that, man. You know, and that. I think that's what it's really about, man. It doesn't, and you, you keep bringing it up like, and I to- whole, wholeheartedly agree with you is there's no comparing period. You just take what you have experienced as a whole in life and harness that evil for good. It's just that simple. Even though it's not going to be that simple, it's just that simple. So anyways, brother, um, dude, I, I I think we, we need to kind of wrap it up, you know, at this point, but before with that being said, um, would you consider, uh, you know, maybe a couple months or something like that, jumping back on dude and kind of, um, sharing where, where, where you are at that point, you know, people see the progression from, you know, the first episode to the second episode <laughs> and then, and, and then to check back up in with you, man.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
0: cool. All right. And, uh, any last, uh, things like where, where, where's, where's Tim going from here, man? What, what, what's the future look, look like real quick, you know, um, how can you, people check you out where they, where, where can they go and stalk you at, you know, cause they, they just love your story, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I have, uh, um, a, a side business of, um, forging knives. It's, uh, Ouroboros forge. And so you can find that on Instagram at Ouroboros underscore forge. Um, all my works there, um, or that's the most, uh, current or, or you can look up, uh, Ouroborosforge.com. That's my website has a little bit. Uh, of how help. do you spell <laughs> Ouroboros? Um, O-U-R, um, O-B-R, uh, sorry. O-U-R-O-B-R. O-R-S uh, O-S <laughs> yeah so I, I chose definitely a not or the name that I chose for my forge isn't the easiest to spell and actually I have a hard time spelling it out loud I have to write it um, yeah so it's O-U-R-O-B-O-R-O-S underscore forge that's F-O-R-G-E um, so that's Instagram or the just It's it's the symbol of the serpent eating its own tail. Um, so you can check that out. Um, also, um, let's see. Oh, uh, um, if uh, when you're listening to this, I, I actually am doing a, um, a raffle for two of my blades that you guys will see on the website with an explanation. Um, it's a, it's in support of a maker that recently became homeless. And so um, I am selling a hundred tickets at, uh, $10 each, and you'll see uh, it's a, a super nice Persian fighter with a brass D-guard and also a ring blade from another maker, and um, uh, so far there I think there's only 40-something tickets left at the moment, um, so if you guys want to jump on there, um, buy some tickets, you have a chance to win a badass knife, and if you are the winner of my blade, um, I'll do a, a custom leather sheath for you, I do um Uh, custom tooling and stuff on leather. Uh, so yeah, so the link is in my bio on my Instagram, or you can just go straight to my website and it's just under, uh, uh, Rooks Blades Works Raffle. And it's in that like main portion of the menu. Um, yeah, so you can find me there. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, dude. Like, uh, you know, I think it's really important to share one story, not only for You know, like it's, it's been very helpful to other people, I suppose, but it's also been super helpful for me. Um, because even, I mean, as I was telling you, like I didn't uh, think about how I reacted yesterday until we were talking about it. So, and that's one of the things that I've just, I've learned over time is being open, being honest and actually talking about shit, like actually has a major effect on your discoveries. Like same with writing writing in a journal as lame as that might sound
2: a journaling man <laughs>
1: yeah dude, there is yeah. a and that's dude that's a whole other subject we could get into the next time is there's a lot of science behind the power of writing that i've done a lot of research into so we can go over that but writing is extremely powerful um in like developing neural pathways and like information consolidation um and especially when it comes to like your uh journey to healing writing is extremely important so um but, but whole point of me saying all of this is to say that like, hey, sharing your story and examining your story, um, is extremely helpful. Um, and it also, like I said, it allows other people to know that they're not alone. And if, you know, if you think you are like you're not, um, and the whole point to all the both podcasts, if I can sum it up all into just one suggestion is, uh, be strong enough to be vulnerable and ask for help when you need it. It's not weak. Um, you're not weak. If you decide not to ask for help and you end up being one of those that doesn't make it out of the other end, like it's because you were weak. Not asking for help is the weakness. So if you're so concerned about being weak, then ask for help
2: well and, and
0: and you know that's that's very what you just said just kind of it did it, it really kicks a lot of the macho ego or even you know what what whatever I, i'm not getting into just guys you know but gals human beings period is asking for help is not weakness it is stigmatized as weakness because how many times have you asked, even as a baby, for someone to help you with something? You know, hey, can I get your help lifting in this big fucking rock? Well, you're still asking for help. It's the stigmatization behind that. If that's a word, I'm still going to use it because it's made me sound really smart. But um, it's, it's the stigma behind asking for help when it comes to mental, emotional, sometimes even physical, spiritual Um, assistance, man, and that's not weak, that's strengthening you, is strengthening your strengthening the bond, um, between you and those that you reach out to to ask help, ask for help, and it better prepares you to improve your position in life in good times and in bad. And I, you know, I'm really stoked real quick that you brought up, um, that raffle. Okay. Because I think this is a perfect way to wrap all this is if you guys, you know, remember back to the first episode, and you guys were just listening and going, what the fuck is wrong with this cad? Like, holy shit, right? And you thought it was that fucking bad and he's doing a fucking rah, 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 fucking, you know, like Dahmer shit, right? All the way through that progression, brother, of your life, of your intent for getting into metalwork and all those things, man. where they bring you? Right here. Right now. And you yourself, out of all of that, every bit of that, and I know this of you, Tim, is in every knife that you make.
2: Right.
0: There's always a part of you in every one of those fucking knives. But you just took your life... All that darkness and some of the light and you turn that into a knife that is now turning around to help out a whole new family, help somebody bring positively, bring them from their darkness into light all through all of that. And that's because you worked the problem and you worked it for yourself and you didn't realize through, you know, back then, or even when you started with all this, that this is where it was going to turn out. You took all that darkness, dude, and turned it into light for yourself. And now it's come full circle and you're bringing light to others, not only through this raffle, And the positive things that are going to come out of that. But even what you did. Coming on and sharing. Your story and speaking your truth man. So. For me dude. I'm not talking to you from the new you. I've told you plenty of times Tim. Very very very. From the bottom of my heart man. Proud of you. You're a fucking phenomenal human being dude. And. The cool thing is, man, is over time seeing, like, you just, where are you going, bro? Uh, You're very similar to so many people. The only difference is, is that you've realized it and you're doing awesome with it. And I appreciate you, bro. I I really do. And, you know, coming from Chuck and and the host, you know, I appreciate you. you know sharing that story with me and 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 spending the time but uh and the team dude they're just like holy fuck like really i can't wait to hear uh (laughs) episode two and i'm like yeah me either dude and i'm the one hosting it you know what i'm saying but uh now we we very much appreciate you dude and uh that's about it man that's about it so Um, you know, it's something that I like to leave everybody with and and man, if, if these episodes didn't prove it, is that you are worth much more than you give yourself credit for and you are so much more powerful than you realize right now. And that's all because nothing exists without you. Tim, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, really. I All right, brother. Hey, guys, appreciate you coming out. Um, and until next time, be good to yourself, to each other, and uh, I don't know, put some fucking action in. You never know uh, how it's going to work out. But until then, man, appreciate y'all. Cheers. clouds
2: <laughs> can't
0: be the She sees black clouds away